Yo, oh man, man. Well, what? Man. This joint says storage not enough I'm gonna run out of space on this one So the interview fucked up? No. Nah Oh Um, Channel 10 <laughs> Today's episode of Channel 10 Podcast is brought to you by Channel10Podcast.com When you go to Channel10Podcast.com You can check out our back catalog of great episodes And you can also help support the show by clicking the store link And purchasing some Channel 10 Podcast merchandise With that, let's start the show You used to be like, see you there, Channel 10 and we used to think that people would catch on. No, but like, if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever, <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that. Do it, yo. yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up, yo? CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface, CNN, Network, Network Channel 10, Network, it's on again, street yo, niggas that's grown men, bold face, gather your face, stay in place, yo, call is now being recorded. So welcome back, this is the Channel 10 podcast, a very special episode, and once again, it's your man, the almighty AR, here in the building, and I'm alongside... Single Superior. And like we said, this is a Channel 10 podcast. And this is a special episode because this is the first one that we're actually <laughs> recording in-house together in our hometown, Baltimore, Maryland. Shout out to Baltimore. And we have a very, very special guest. He goes by many names, mostly known as uh, Born King and also Killer Fifth. Say what up to the people. Peace, peace. What's going on, world? And, um, yeah, man. How's everything? Everything's fine. Chilling, you know what I mean? Just staying focused, man. That's, that's about it. Mm. That's what's up. That's what's up. And, um, you know, this is a very special episode because it's a family affair in the building. <laughs> you know, um, this is Sengar's brother, my cousin, and we just saw here chopping it up um and you know killer fifth has definitely been doing this thing in baltimore for you know a very long time and it's definitely a staple on the scene um so i guess you know we'll do it like every other guest take it back to the very very beginning um so can you describe your uh upbringing as a child and you know the type of environment that you were in um the whole background basically is musical, but it started with my mom. Shout out to Carol Paran, you know, Sugar Hill Gang record, you feel me? And just being around her and listening to all the albums that she was buying at the time, you know, it triggered something in me. And um, my uncle, who is known as right now, DJ Frank Cola, my uncle Antoine and Pete, and I'm like, I was raised around. Fortunately, though, um, <clears throat> Keras One, <clears throat> sorry about that. Keras One with um, Boogie Down Productions, Rock Cam. Like I bear witness to all that. Like all the all the great artists that came out during that time period. I grew up around all that. So you know you hearing nothing but like raw lyric, original lyric. <clears throat> Watching the culture grow, and I wasn't around like stuff that wasn't really official. Everything was just official. So as time went on, you know. Um, 
how I really honed my skills was basically my uncle Frankie or DJ Frank Cola. Like, he would put records on and have me freestyle. And when I was freestyling, he would point the things around me. And I would have to put those things that he pointed to in the rhyme, but they all had to make sense, though. And, you know, that was something continuous. And then uh, just basically, you know, being around other MCs on the east side, because that's where it all started at for me, like officially on Potomac Street, you know, um, while just battling people, freestyling. And I really didn't really write like that, write like that. I was just like more or less freestyling. But um, I think I was 12. Yeah, I was 12 and I wrote my first rhyme. It was about taking a female to the movies and shit. <laughs> and uh, and that's the one that had the uh, the cat sound on it that Frankie put on. Nah, 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 nah. What you talking about? That's when I got with um these people when I was going to Hire and Run Middle, and I formed up with a clique or whatever, and um went to that studio. It was on Wolf Street, matter of fact. Mm. And um, I called myself the professor then. Mm. Matter <laughs> of fact, um, on Shirley. And moms came to the first show. I had a high top fade with the little round glasses and shit, you know what I mean? And um, a, a mock turtleneck dressed like, you know, Big Daddy Kane, Aaron and all that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, wow. And I did that and uh, went to the studio, like I said, or like you said, they had the cat sound in my shade. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That was that was that was that was horrible, but it made it what it was. You feel me? Mm. So, about how old were you then? You said middle school. Yeah, I was like uh, fifteen. Mm. So, hip hop was like how like how, what was the state of hip hop um, in in uh, in Baltimore during the time when you were fifteen? Well, like, actually, man, if I say this right, um, you had hip hop. See, Baltimore hip hop. It had its own scene. It was similar to like a Beach Street back in the day. Actually, like everybody was like they had the gear. Everybody was fresh, and uh, maybe the economics was different at that time. I'm sure it was, but like it's, it was. I couldn't walk nowhere and or be on a bus or go to school and nobody. You know, it, everybody run. Mm. So you know, I went through a lot of battles. Just the battle niggas on the back of the bus. You know, what I'm saying I lost that one time. Yeah, but guess how I lost though? I battled five MCs at one fucking time. They were called Triple K Posse. These niggas, what made them so interesting to me though at that time, because I was just rhyming, you know what I'm saying? Trying to give it to niggas. Then they broke down and started singing like the Force MDs on my ass. I'm like, damn, I can't fuck with that. <laughs> I tapped out, ding, ding, that's my stop, nigga. <laughs> For real. And that was the only time I lost, though. I never took an L after that. Mm. And I can honestly say that. And for anybody that know me, <laughs> bring it up like when I lose. So what were the, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, the uh, the, the hot spots um, where hip-hop was most present um, during your upbringing in Baltimore? Um, well, see, we all hung at corner stores and on strips. You know what I mean? Like, it was real. So... We used to battle niggas at what was called the Green Store. Mm. Stayed doing that. Well, I mean, but it was just like on well, any block, though. Anybody could get it. You know, basketball courts. Uh, uh, Hip-hop was everywhere. Especially when you had that, when you come from that era when Beat Street Movie was out. And, you know, um, when you when you watching, like, Crush Groove and shit like that. You know what I mean? 
it, it was just prevalent. Like everybody, I can't say everybody, but put it like this. Everybody didn't rhyme. But that was beautiful because you stood out. So whenever you went somewhere or whatever, it wasn't like you just walked in two ciphers. What I mean by the experience was um, people would be like, yo, my cousin rhymed. Yo, I heard about X, Y, Z. So basically you would just be like walking from block to block to go battle niggas. Mm. It was like an underground circuit. That's the best way I could put it. All right, and I've asked, uh, I've asked Tim Trees this, Blue Man this, and um, and whatever. Was Lexington Market, in any shape or form, uh, a hot spot for hip hop during, you know, during like the early, like the late '80s, early '90s? Because it just seems like it would be some type of center for music. Well, what I remember most, um, because you know, I haven't. I mean, I'm from Baltimore, but I haven't always been here. Been oh, here, right. yeah, yeah. so you know, um, when I got back to Baltimore like 15, you feel me? Because I was up north. I lived in Jersey. You know what I'm saying? I lived in Virginia. You feel me? So I had a whole wide experience of this shit. But <clears throat> to be mostly honest with you, <clears throat> like if I take it back to like Lab Tech 1, Chen and the Pen Pals and all that, like the performance square down the harbor, if you mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about, that big performance square, yeah. Yeah. that's where niggas was getting it in that. That's what, that's what we've been told, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I guess Oh my fault, my fault. And Crazy Jones. Crazy Jones? Yeah, that's, that's Crazy the Jones place, on right? Baltimore Street. The pizza place? Yeah. That was real heavy with MCs. Mm. Oh, didn't you go there one time? You got some type of like vegan pizza, right? Nah, oh, not from there. Yeah. I went there with you one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but remember one time we went there and um Clayway was there? Or whatever, like that's just like that's just where people were, like Crazy Jones was the spot to be at. But once again, underground culture. So you know, strip club, whatever. You know, what I mean, stuff like that. So of mm. course, you come out the club, beats rocking. You gonna get it in. Well, I feel like I've been with you many a times, and Clayway just pops up. He either pulls up or pops up. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, Shout out to him for real. Yeah, he was a big inspiration to me in my mind. In my opinion, he's like the Baltimore version of Jay Z for real. Mm. So, um, I guess in the uh, early hip-hop days, you know, from a trickling down from New York, was there a difference in the style between um, New York hip-hop and Baltimore hip-hop at the time, or was it all just kind of one thing? Well, growing up in Baker Street, on Baker Street, I'm sorry, and um, <clears throat> the albums that we, we listened to that we came up with, like the Skinny Boys, the Human Jock Box, Run DMC, Schoolie D, Ice T, like if you really want to get technical, hip hop is a universal language, and you're gonna do it however you know wherever you're from. I think it's just the accent, you know. What I mean the difference, but the skill level or the respect for it at that time was always the same. So I heard Run DMC. I didn't really try to sound like them, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I it was you know it's it's the code that you keep. You know, if, if, if it makes sense, like, it's just the, the respect level. Like, you know you have to do certain things a certain way. So you, you try to, yeah, to stand it. You, you try to exist within that standard. So as far as for being a difference, yeah, because you're going to say, well, streets or your lifestyle. Because, you know, what I mean, everybody don't live the same way from, from city to city. Right. Hmm. 
And um and also on your father's side you have um you know between you know DJ Frank Cola and even your father um and then your your grandfather right yeah yeah um my father he put out like two albums if I'm not mistaken like from that um well, uh, what is that era uh the guy that played the guitar or whatever you want Aaron Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. my father was in shit like that mm-hmm. and my grandfather was in the jazz band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> yeah, the music run deep. So when you were, um, so when you were in Virginia during the time you were in there, um, how was it? I guess being influenced by hip hop and having your father, who is you know this musician. I guess, for lack of a better term, I guess a classical musician with like an instrument and everything like that. <coughs> how did he feel about hip hop during the time? <clears throat> how did he feel about it? Yeah. Um, but see, you got to think about it. Hip hop wasn't vulgar as it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had its vulgar points. Don't get me wrong, because it comes from the streets, so you're going to have that. But when you listen to like Curtis Blow, they're playing basketball. You know what I mean? That song or <laughs> yeah. Fat Boys. You know what I'm saying? Shit like that. LL Cool J, Cool Modi, which he is a big Cool Modi fan, oh. and even till this day, um, he loves pop. You know what I mean? So, and plus his background. You know what I mean? He just he like was real, you know. So when I was in Virginia, with the part that I was in is Farmville. That's where Rage from, the Lady of Rage. You know what I mean. So I dealt with her. You know what I mean. We went to Prince Edward uh, County High School. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. well, not Prince Edward County wait, High wait, School, wait. But Prince Edward County. We we never knew this. <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah, well, I mean, yeah. We're, we're literally we're learning new things right now from you. Oh we well, Frankie that. has a big connection with Rage and all that. Yeah. Oh, you know, he went to West Palm Beach, Florida. He did a lot of things. He was on Luke Skywalker records the first time. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Profile records. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, just that that point right there. I'm going to tell you all something. Like, hip-hop was real in Farmville, Virginia, because it's, it's a college uh, town. Yeah. They have Longwood College there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people from up north was down there. So you're going to, you, you were going to see and you were going to deal with a lot of things. That culture was, that's what you did at the time. You know what I mean? So by me watching all this shit on <clears throat> TV, getting prepared, when I know Curtis Blow video was going to come up, then you walk outside and I used to live across the street from a dude from New York and yo was fresh. Had the bomber jackets, you know what I'm saying? And the Pumas with the fat laces and all that shit. And he was from New York and he had all the hot shit, the mixtapes and all that. I was rocking bits, monkey picking boogers, nigga. Like, oh, I had all that shit, and it's just the way that it was. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, I can literally say I lived the lifestyle even up to today. But that lifestyle then, it was just, it was just, it was totally different, and it was always something new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious about Farmville. Um, you know, um, I take it that the lifestyle is a bit slower, and and um you know places like that um it's more rural and everything like that so when it comes to um you know what you were saying with the style and the fashion and everything like that how did uh like what was the difference in farmville versus like baltimore and everything with the lifestyle like oh well i ain't gonna lie to you cultures and everything i'm not gonna lie to you fam like i was getting hated on too though you know what i'm saying because for one i'm not from there so I'm a city slicker, as they used to put it. Mm. And, you know, coming down there, you know how our family do. I was fresh every fucking day. So I wore everything like Adidas. 
I had the first fucking um, Georgetown nights, like all that shit, you know what I mean? So I'm down there rocking lambskin or whatever, and um, everybody wasn't privy to that because Farmville is, is strictly what it is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like um, most people that, that did have fresh attire, they weren't from there like that. And don't get me wrong, the ones that were there that were fresh, they had to travel like to Richmond, Virginia to go get that stuff. And everybody didn't have money like that. So I went to school with kids that um, basically some fresh, a lot not, you know, but man, and then the girl situations down there, you know what I'm saying? Like they look, I, I could say that their gear was probably more better than, than some of the dudes because, you know, females could just buy anything or whatever and they, they got a certain mentality. But then you got to think about the spike bracelets, spike belts and all that other type shit. Michael Jackson was popping. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing you could get probably was like a Michael Jackson thriller jacket at that time or whatever. You had one of them. It was like a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> For real. So I guess transitioning from, from you know, the freestyles and the ciphers and the battles and everything like that into actually recording and making songs, um, what was that transition like for you and what sparked it? Or like when did you know that this was what you were going to do? Oh, before I even put a verse on let's say tape at that time mm. i knew what i wanted to do as soon as i saw a run dmc period mm. you know what i mean and after you know just hearing that that music and those videos you know i'm not gonna lie to y'all b street sealed the deal for me mm. i came out there and just was like yo wow you know what i'm saying i i fell in love with the graffiti you know what i mean like it was it was it was something that you could say everybody wasn't doing so it, it made you special and then if people knew that you rhymed, like you was always the center of attention because everybody like, spit something. You know what I mean? It's that and the third. But when I first laid my shit down was what you talking about uh, <laughs> with that cat shit or whatever. And my voice wasn't developed that time. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing that I had, I had been told. Like, yo, you could write, but your voice, like you don't really got the voice for this. But that was on the track wise. And when I got told that, nigga, I just... What the fuck you mean? You know what I mean? Like, there was no such thing as ghostwriters back then. Mm-hmm. Not to my knowledge. So, I just, from that day forward, nobody was going to tell me where I was lacking in period. You know what I mean? So, and I and I called myself the professor. So, you know what I mean? It was like, shit, I got it. Man, whatever. <laughs> got this. Wordplay, all that. And then my uncle, once again, Frankie, like, he's the reason why I am who I am. Seriously. Like, I can't even front. Because if you're growing up with a DJ, you got full access to do anything you want. You know what I mean? So I'm just rhyming over break beats. Like, it wasn't nothing that I couldn't flow over. That's why my flow got the way that it is now. Because I could just flow over anything. Wake up in the morning. I'm listening to KRS-One in my sleep. Boogie Down Productions. And he had the instrumentals. And I get up, just walk in the room. I don't even eat breakfast. Spit. And he do what he do, and I'm in there. You know what I mean? Now, a lot of times, um, you know, when you when you hear stories about how people first got into rapping, a lot of times people start off as dancers, and then they break into the rapping. Mm-hmm. And then, but see, I remember growing up with you, like on Baker Street, when I was, you know, 
almost a toddler mm -hmm. and i remember you had the turntables in the house and you were djing <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then i remember seeing the graffiti tags around the neighborhood <laughs> and in the basement and everything like that and then i've heard stories about you dancing i saw you do a little break dance and stuff and all yeah. that so um so did you start off with the rhyming and then it led to the other things or did it all kind of happen at once or you know? it, it was most definitely the rhyming first but mm -hmm. i'm gonna tell you something it was the rhyming first, but then it was the look. Because mm -hmm. just to develop yourself, you know what I'm saying? Like, Kango, Gazelles, and my family, like the Paran, you know what I mean? Once again, Frankie and all of them, like, they kept me fresh. Like, like a lot of people don't understand Baltimore culture. Like, dirt bikes ain't nothing new. Right. My uncles and them, they always had dirt bikes and all that other type shit. And then when it came to jewelry, oh my God, I was rocking rose gold when I was like 12. Mm -hmm. I had like about like, Man, put it like this, I was looking like ASAP Rocky with all the little chains. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? When did you get your first fronts? Wow. That's, that's a good-ass question. I, never, never even I got a story that. about that for real. Like, I've like I always <laughs> been into jewelry, and at one time, Baltimore didn't make fronts. But they had caps. And Baltimore's yeah. famous oh, for yeah, niggas yeah. getting that one-two for... You yeah. know, getting the permanence. Yeah, because our mother always talks about that the cap that your that your father. Had. Yeah, well, it wasn't the cap. He had the real, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, permanent yeah. joints. But let me explain this to y'all. Me and my nigga man, remember Ronnie yeah. and them. You know, what I'm yeah, saying? Man. Yeah. well, yeah. Mundarman. Well, this is this is during the nineties. So Mundarman had a shop where they sold caps at. You know what I mean? And they were we we were searching for the real gold caps, and um, we found them. You feel me? And uh, this is during the time period, like I said, the early 90s, and we rocking army suits and all that shit or whatever. So what we do is we get like, let's say like five caps, four caps. And the jeweler that's in Mondarmin, well, that was in Mondarmin at that time, he welded them all together. Mm. Mm. And we just made our fronts like that. Mm. Did, did, it, did it look kind of funny or was no, it like the same? No, no, no. They was, they was ill like... You couldn't tell, especially when you put them in the mouth. But <laughs> all right, let me. I gotta keep it real with y'all on that. Like, just to make sure that they wouldn't slip out, because you know we had some difficulty. Because Cash, you had to squeeze them and put them in to make them stay. Put some fix the dent in the back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I do remember you. I I do remember you squeezing them joints, but I didn't know that the fix the dent was there. Yeah. Also, I. I remember, um, I remember when I was a kid, I was amazed by your four finger rings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See the jewelry game always only, been tight. Yeah. I only remember one. All right, so I guess what was your first piece of jewelry, hip hop jewelry? Official hip hop jewelry. Yeah, official hip hop jewelry. What was your first piece? Oh. Anything like ring fronts, uh, you know, necklace, whatever. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep it one hundred. Like he said, the the rings. At one point in time, before there was a Gucci man, my name was Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is like 91, you know what I mean? So I had got like this big ass herringbone and I had a Gucci link, right? That came off of a Gucci link. But at the same time, I took it to Mundarm and once again, <laughs> always had the ill jeweler. And he turned that one link into a piece, into a medallion and, a ru and put a ruby in that motherfucker. So that was my first joint, you know what I'm saying? Like, see, the thing about hip-hop is you always strive, well, especially at that time, you always strive to have some shit nobody else had. So when I was walking around, nobody had what I had. Nobody looked like me, period. But I was fresh, though. Mm -hmm. I could go to the Gap and go get, like, a jean hat 
with the brim on it and I would find a patch from like a skateboard shop and go get the patch and get the patch put on there. Nobody had that hat, but it was tight though. Mm. Alright, so this, this leads to my next question. Um, what was, how was my dolman in the early 90s? Because I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> Fucking murder them all. Has <laughs> it always been? I mean, well, like, what was the the, the uh, you know, like, you know, like now we had like changes and you know Jimmy Jazz on the oh. first floor. Like, what was the hip hop influence of my dormant, like jewelry wise and clothes wise? What was there? Um. Well, the the well, put it like this, I can remember USA Boutique being around for I don't know how long. Oh yeah, still there. You know what I mean? Still there. You know what I mean? So I seen USA Boutique go from what it was to what it is now and um but see this is this is another thing like we ain't really do the mall for for clothes person because like we we shopped everywhere you know what i mean so i i've even went shopping man in a spot where niggas had guns on and i'm buying fendi shit like the dapper dan if y'all know about the like the dapper dan shit or whatever um and get clothes that way you know what i mean Coming out with, with polo shit is below, but with the gold polo, I mean, it was all custom made. So he's spending like at least about like 500 anywhere to like $1,000 on an outfit for real. Mm. Shit like that, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, and just on a basic level, uh, shit to keep it real with y'all, like, of course you're going to get your jeans from Madonna or something like that. But it was more or less like jeans and tennis. When it came to like shirts or whatever, you're going to go to, um, what is that security mall and get that polo shit and all that or whatever you feel me nautica all that you know what i mean so yeah i I wasn't lacking in nothing you know what i mean now i remember um a couple years ago um when they started the i guess the rebranding of mondawmin mall um it was like a big milestone anniversary for the uh, air force one shoe which i believe was developed here um, and so they had their big thing here in Baltimore and it was at Mondome and they redid the mall with all the Air Forces and everything. So I was wondering, because you know, Air Force Ones have a lot of nicknames that come uptowns because of Harlem oh, and everything like that. But um, like back in the day, were the Air Forces big here too? I'm going to tell you something. Niggas was wearing Air Nikes, yo, in the 80s. Right. And we had, they were patent leather, you know what I'm saying? And... You had the all white ones, you know, quarter, quarter lips or whatever, you know what I'm saying? High tops, the all white ones were like the gray joints and rock the straps around them or you take, or you didn't really put the strap around your ankle. You could just make the strap hang in the back type shit or whatever. But Baltimore has always been on point, even when it came down to like the, um, who was first with the Coogee shit, like mm. New York or Baltimore, like we... Like, listen, we never lacked in anything. Like, we always had what everybody else had. You know what I mean? So, I I, I just think, like, you know, the, the only thing I could say New York probably had on Baltimore was more of custom shops. Because you had to travel to New York to go get that shit or niggas from New York come down here and open up something and they have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because people try to always make it seem like, you know, we country or we don't have this or that or whatever like that. So, you know. Man, please. Like, before there was the Rough Riders, we always been riding dirt bikes down here. Not saying nobody <laughs> else did that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. It's always been there. Yeah, it's always been here. I mean, the same way, like I said, when I watched Beat Street and they had Kangos and Gazelles, there's a nigga across the street that had Kango and the Gazelles. <laughs> 
my man Reed, Andre, and all them. You know what I mean? Like we always had. You know what yeah. I mean? We ain't never lacked shit. And then think about it: where we come from, the area where we lived at. You know what I'm saying? Like it's money around there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now, now, um, I guess kind of uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, now, now you said that your name was the uh, professor. So, um, can you speak on your your uh, transition from the professor to Born King? Well, we gotta go to Gucci too. Oh yeah, yeah Gucci yeah. and all that. <laughs> well, see, there was a time period when um, I I didn't rhyme. I mean, I was still writing. And, and freestyling was my shit, but there was a transition. Like, I was just about money at that point in time and just being fresh. And then there was a transition where I did participate in the various dance groups. You know what I mean? And it just so happens, niggas start finding out that I could rhyme. You know what I mean? So there was there was a brief moment where I didn't do anything, but when it came time to be um become Born King, that really started, like, um let's just say at the at the end of uh, 92 going into 93 because that popped off the Wu era. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I lived in Jersey for quite some time with Oscar. And that's and, and our family members, you know, our family members from up north like that. So that's when I became 5%. You know what I mean? So that's where Born King came from. And Dos Effects and all that shit was out or whatever. So that rugged era... And then Method Man drops that album, you know what I'm saying? Method Kyle, ugh, man, um, just that time period right there, just I, I became a different individual because I was out in the streets a lot more, you know what I mean? And then by me being out in the streets a lot more, I experienced a lot of shit, you know what I'm saying? And um, that's when that rhyme came back, me and matter of fact, you know what I mean? The mass assassin, that's what he called himself. Mm. You know what I mean? I always been in the music. Everybody around the way knew that shit, you know what I mean? But it was just basically like making that thing happen to the point where hooking up with it just became finalized and then boom, the West Side Stranglers come out. And the first song or the first tape that we put out was all I want for Christmas is a brick and a half. All right. <laughs> Damn. All right, we, all right, because um, you know, I guess like, I think I think we we talked about this like before, you know, when we were just talking about like, shit just in our basement, hip hop shit in our basement, mm. and I I remember we talked about um, you know, like the original Protect Your Neck yeah. um case, mm-hmm. and then um, I remember I vaguely remember seeing the original Purple Tape, but then you know only the covers down there because um, my mother threw a lot of things away in the basement, oh, man. so. Um, tell us a story about the first Protect Your Neck single. How you, how you got it, how you found out about Protect Your Neck and everything like that. Yo, listen. You had video jukebox back in the day. Right. And shout out to DJ Goldfinger, my man Wayne, because you know that fits in the North Star and all that. Like the recording began really potent on Thomas Avenue. Mm. Everybody was hanging out at Wayne's house. So once again, like, you know what I mean? Like that the, the skills and all that shit happened, but that protect your neck. When I saw that, it was the first time I saw it, I was in Jersey. Matter of fact, I came back home with, you know how Africa Bambada went to uh, Africa mm-hmm. yeah. and came back with this newfound ideology. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Jersey up north and came back 
with the new principles and all that shit, you know what I'm saying? Because you got to think about it, y'all. West Coast had hip-hop on smash. Dr. Dream was kicking ass with the Chronic, Snoop Dogg and all that. You know what I mean? So, you know, to come back and, and know about the woo, you know, I'm I'm Mondarmin once again. Cause they had like Metro Two or something like yeah. that or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm in in Metro Two. Mike Crosby was up there, or whatever. Shout out to him. And um, you know, you just seen that white case with that book on there with that sword. And um, I was like Wu Tang. That's them niggas. And you know, what I mean, I'm like I'm copping that. And it was two songs on there: Protect Your Neck. You know, what I mean. And I forgot the other one, but Protect Your Neck. I rocked the shit out of it. And um, man, it I, I can't even explain. It's like magical, you know what I mean? Because technically, you judge people by by what they listen to at that time frame too. Yeah. So while everybody might have been still on Dre and them or however, whatever, I'm banging that shit. Niggas want to know what that is, and then you start hearing more like I'm coming to get my culture safe for God and all that shit or whatever. Yeah. So when you had stuff like that, nobody was really on it. Like that's five percent lyrics, but. Rock him, Big Daddy Kane, they were five percenters. So hip hop technically was always Islamic until it went down south. But that's a whole other thing, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you, like, um, you know, your introduction into five uh, percent, and um, you know, the five percent culture in Baltimore, especially early on. Um, if you could speak to that, like how you how you came into it. Um, and then you know how it flourished and all of that. Um, wow, it started in Jersey. Mm. I'm hanging on a black, and, and I and see what's crazy is, if if anybody's familiar with poor righteous teachers, wise the intelligence, you know what I'm saying. I'm in on Rosemont Stuyvesant in Trenton, mm. and you know that's where they be at, and I ain't never know I was hanging with them. You know what I mean? Like do the Oscar. You feel me? Mm -hmm. And um, our cousin that lived in Trenton that we was always with, you know what I mean? His name was Power. So I used to watch them build. We was high as shit and drunk. They used to be building in ciphers. Like, I had my experience with that. And um, I didn't know what the fuck they was talking about. They were doing the day's mathematics. And I'm just standing there like, this is the most illest shit ever. We in the projects. And, um, man... It, it happened at a family reunion. Like I said, I got exposed to it that way. But then they just was like, they, they, it's like they chose me. And they gave me the 120. They gave me this book. And I was like, well, all right, then, you know what I'm saying? Get back down here to Baltimore. And I'm reading it. I ain't understand what the fuck I was reading. The black man is God. Like, what the fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? So I have a, a very, 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 very close friend. Family member, Bilal Bahar, Muslim, let me into the family. He knew I had that book. And um, he was with a guy named Born C from New York. Born C, you know what I mean? He 5%. So I actually had that that, that uh, 120 that was given to me taken away. And I had to learn that shit in a different frame. You know what I mean? Like, because you don't get something that powerful, just be walking around trying to say some shit to seem slick or whatever because you know what I mean at that time point grave digs and all that shit was out too yeah. so um you know to me it was just something to better my rhymes with <laughs> you know what I mean because I'm looking through it and I'm like shit this is what that nigga saying that rhyme 
You know what I mean? So I'm thinking I'm wise, and I really wasn't. You know what I mean? And Bilal knew that, and he he's a beautiful friend. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't really have too many people that care about your mind state. You know what I mean? So they made me like an honorary member of the Baha family, and uh, I was up there all the time. You know what I'm saying? On Normount, and um. <laughs> What's crazy about that is because during that time period, like I was going to CCB and all that too. So um, I ran into, like, it started with my man, Man. (laughs) 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 And um, we always been into something like dealing with Islam anyway. Like, the nation of Islam was real thick down here at one point. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they're not now, but it's just the difference. And um, how can I put it to y'all? That Malcolm X movie and all that, you know, it sparked some things. And, uh, we ran into my enlightener. Well, I met my enlightener through man, cause man used to work with him down city lights. Cause man knew that I was dealing with the five percent information and all that or whatever. But what that's what set it off. Like my enlightener knowledge born. Che, you know what I'm saying? So I learned that shit page by page by page. I couldn't get a um a degree, right? That's what we call them degrees. I couldn't get any degrees until I mastered the very basis of it. You know what I mean? Understand the history of Clarence 13X, you know what I'm saying? And his upbringing, how he got to the point where he manifested the lessons. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just a cycle, you know what I mean? A series of events and things of that nature. But True Asiatic, he's also um, somebody that, that uh, really helped me get to where I was. I met True Asiatic up CCB. And it was a whole bunch of us too. We, I, it was like you know, um, a little clique of us, and we would go over a uh, true Asiatic's house, and he'd be asking us questions. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, are you wisdom? And we always knew wisdom is uh, a woman. Like, I ain't no wisdom. You know what I'm saying? But then when you got a little bit more deep into it and more and, and more building process, yeah, you are wisdom because the verbal, physical, and material aspect of knowledge. So in one way, you are that because you're physical. You know what I mean? So it's just things that you had to learn. And uh, shout out to him because he's always been a big part of everything too. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, yeah. Nah, because, um, I mean, the thing that made me think about that was the whole thing with the naming and everything. Oh, the born king? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, You have to choose an attribute. like and, and being in the 5% nation, one thing manifesting in yourself is, God, we're not Muslims. So you don't take on no Arabic name. None of that. Muslim is one who submits itself to the will of the law, but we taught that we are a law. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can show and prove that. You know what I mean? Arm, leg, leg, arm, head. That it is a law, the physical sense of it. You know what I mean? So, not getting too much into that, but I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, I chose born. You know what I mean? I was born again mentally. You know what I'm saying? You'd be born in two ways, physically and mentally. I chose king because you're dealing with your kingdom, it's your mind. Nobody can infiltrate my castle, which is my, my brain. So, I'm saying I came in a resurrected form, and due to that, I became better, and nobody could overthrow me mentally. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, and then you go, in, and then with the more you learn, you can add on to your attribute. So, my whole attribute is basically born king dominant, justice, black sun, mathematics, and law. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're, um, when you're, I guess, when you're going through this transition, this is like around the time when I when I when I start remembering certain things. 
and um, as a kid, and so I guess around like age of four or five or whatever. And um, during this time, I remember there were like two things that really stood out to me when it came to you and your your transition, or how whatever, or how everything, certain things in you know your life affected you. Uh-huh. Um, and so one was the uh, the passing of our grandfather, and the uh-huh. second one was the uh, the death of uh, I guess we could just blink this out of a. Uh, oh, you talk. Uh, uh, um. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, yeah. that out. Um, and I remember seeing you, um, you know, when that happened and everything like that. And I just wanted to know um, how that affected, how, 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 how our grandfather's death affected you as well as um, the death of Poochie. Oh, real quick, that, you're talking about the day, because I remember that day when you came into the house, you ran into yeah. the house. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, you in the hood. And, you know, you lose people because of the way that people tend to get money. You know what I mean? And, you know, the effect. Well, let's just get into granddad real quick. Like, you know, you, you got family members. You know, y'all know how it is. Like, you just don't expect nobody to go at, at certain points. You know what I mean? So when he, he left physically, it, it was a, a, a big change. Because it wasn't a change just for me. Because, I mean, to be truthful with you, I accepted death. I always prepared myself to, to a certain degree because, you know, he was failing. So I was getting myself together, but it was how that death affected mom, how that death affected grandma, mm-hmm. how that death affected y'all, how it affected Aunt Shirley, Uncle David, Aunt Patsy, everybody. You know what I mean? I'm a very analytical person. So, <coughs> excuse me, you know how our family is. <laughs> we know an emotional for a lot of shit, too. So, you know what I mean? It's like, man... Just I'm look I'm I'm worried about family members at that point. To be truthful with you, it hit me, and of course it's gonna hit me because he used to take me to school. He used to walk me to school. You know what I mean? Granddad this, granddad that, and he used to work at the oil company. You know what I'm saying? I go down there with him at the oil company, and anyway, you know you lose your you lose your peoples. But then on the friend sense, um, the friend sense I'm gonna tell y'all like you wake up, you go outside hanging with niggas. They like family for real. They 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 your outside or extended family. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. So when something happens to your extended family or whatever, <coughs> it strikes a chord because you can't call that person no more. Mm-hmm. You don't see that person no more. And you know if a friend is a real friend, they help you be better in a lot of ways. You know what I mean. So you know I got people that have always been around people that always wanted me to be better. Matter of fact, when it came to hustling or whatever, I had niggas telling me not to do the shit. Mm. <laughs> because they they just sent something in me, you know what I mean? So even though I dabbled or did what the fuck I did, I never say that I'm the ultimate person of that lifestyle or whatever. But I'm going to tell you, I understand it. You know what I mean? I, I don't say it's right or wrong. I just understand it. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. So how did, how did, how did uh, these things affect you musically? Hey, like Nas said, it's Illmatic. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you living in an environment, right? And um, you 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 um see things every day. So instead of just spitting metaphors after a while, you tend to put what you see in your rhymes or what you go through. And you hear how other niggas do it. That's why I said Nas said it's Illmatic because when I was around when that shit first came out and it was like about 10 of us in my room you know what I'm saying? And everybody had the blush rolled up, you feel me? Or had the food, you know what I'm saying? And 
it was le- like listening to a fucking movie. Mm. And once that tape went on, nobody could leave outside the room because you're going to break that energy. You know what I mean? So you had to have everything. So, you know, listening to somebody great like that, you want to say, well, shit, we ain't too much different. And you feel comfortable after a while putting certain things in your in your in your lyrics, you know what I mean? And saying certain things over um beats and all that shit or whatever. So yeah, um plus, you know, Mob Deep, all that shit was out, you know what I mean? So I mean shit, I had to give it to him too. But how we live mm-hmm. and what we do and what we did. And it's all real. Like, see, I come from the era where if you didn't do the shit, you know what I mean, then don't say the shit. But if you could relate to it in some type of way, like I never killed nobody, I never murdered nobody. You know what I mean? So I'm not gonna talk about that. You know what I mean? But I grew up around it and I know how it affected me. I know about gunshots in the nighttime trying to go to fucking sleep. You know what I mean? Or waking up to gunshots that's close to the house. You know what I mean? Somebody getting murked out or whatever like that or whatever. Police, helicopters flying around and shit like that all the time. Shit crazy. So yeah, that shit gonna be in my rhymes, but I ain't do it. I'm going to talk about how the fuck I woke up from that shit. Mm-hmm. Alright, so tell us about the uh, the West Side Stranglers and how that came about. Oof. What year, you know, That was people. like, West Side Stranglers like 94. Mm. Yeah, 94, late 95. Because like I said, the first, one of the first singles like uh, Brick and a Half is a Christmas song. Yeah. So, I mean, just judging from the title of that, you can tell <laughs> what that was doing. <laughs> or what I was around let's just say like what I was around so you know in respect to that 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 environment man that's all I can say like a lot of people always got some shit to say about like what rappers shouldn't be talking about and how they should be doing this and first off ain't a rap I'm an MC but rapping is something you do hip hop is something you live but as an MC seeing shit and being around it you know what I mean like you, you have to be in that shit to actually understand you can't be taking shit from fox 45 news and then make your determination mm. you know you understand what i'm saying because we from an upper middle class area and you see an upper middle class area go from what it is to a whole bunch of fucking cokeheads mm. you see what i'm saying now we live next door to a senator yeah we live next door to a senator you know what i'm saying so we got fucking school teachers buying drugs man mm. you know what i mean and you got niggas it's like 16 17 years old driving fucking cars that most people can't even afford and you know we all grew up playing little league and shit like that man it was the coke that brought everything down but i can't even blame it on the coke it's the individuals it's what niggas want to do i like our parents they all come from that 70s disco era anyway and I remember watching something they said in Time Magazine, Coke was no different or harmful as, I mean, no no, no harmful as uh, eating peanut butter. Mm-hmm. So could you imagine that shit? Like, they growing up, like, they used to do Coke like niggas do weed. So when they get older, it is what it is. And that's how fiends got created. You know, you got to think about it. The government had a hand in that shit. I don't give a fuck. They did. Hmm. So how did West Side Stranglers get how, how was it created? It was just created from just being around in that area. We from the West Side. 
And when it comes to the microphone, we strangle shit, mic mutilation and all that, you know what I mean? So the essence of hip hop is always going to be your MC. Mm-hmm. However your delivery is and how how consistent your style is and your flow. And then it's like your wordplay. And we played with words that was from real life. Mm. Besides just, you know, metaphors. But you take your everyday life and turn it into a fucking metaphor. Mm. And that's what makes you dope. How many people were in the group? Just me and, me and uh, Q. But my man Poochie, his name was after the rest. You know what I mean? But he was like one of the funders of that shit. Mm. Uh, the backer, you feel me? And then so forth and so on. But... At the end of the day, it was it was a beautiful thing, just coming from the streets, being able to have some money to put towards buying some shit from disc makers. Because mm. at this, you know, you gotta think about it. Nobody at the, there was no internet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not like not like it is today. We had to push hard physical shit, mm-hmm. so we didn't have the ability. I mean, think about it. You had DJs; they do the um. The Maxell Memorex tapes and all that other type of shit, you feel me? And um, you got Xerox machines and shit you can make cover. But when you went official, you spent about like 500, 700 to 1,000 buying like 6,000 copies of your shit, you know what I'm saying? But it's all official with mm-hmm. the sleeves and all that or whatever. Just had to have a place to put them or you just going to rock them out the back of the trunk. So did y'all so have um, an entire album or was it just a single that y'all came up with? That was the single. Only the single? Yeah. Okay. Because everybody's life day to day was fast paced. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So really we, we was recording. It wasn't no daytime recording. You recording like what? Like 12 at night. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The wee hours when ain't really shit going on so to speak. Mm, okay, mm. so um, so I assume that the majority of these, well, they were all cassettes, right? Which y'all pressed up? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, all cassettes. Yeah. How many do y'all think y'all sold? Oof, I can't even tell you. You know, <laughs> yeah. what I mean? the truth with you because it was like I said, it was a different time period then, mm-hmm. and you know, you could just sell out <clears throat> from here to Poplar Grove. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, or uh, like most, like. All right, let's just say, like, put it like this. We ain't never had no gangs for real. It's like you got Ricetown, Gwens Falls, you got Pulaski, you got Poplar Grove, you got Baker, Woolwick, you know what I mean? So we in elements that we were familiar with, and that's how they got distributed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then they might trickle over to somewhere else because, you know, it wasn't just us that was coming out with stuff either. Everybody, <clears throat> a lot of other people came out with stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, you know... It, it just depends, like, where you went. Like, you could probably sell out a certain amount down down Crazy John's. Mm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying now? So, it, 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 you know, you always just kept what you had. Mm. Now, when it came to, um, like, first, you know, you putting out the joints, um, how did shows come into effect and, like, the performance aspect of everything? Wow. Whew. You had back in the day, and shout out to Ruth Scola for this one. And he's always been a person that never let celebrity go to his head. I could see Ruth Scola anywhere, you know what I'm saying? And we build or whatever, and we perform together, you know what I'm saying? And I, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but you got to think about it like this, y'all. There's always going to be some type of 
smoke and mirrors type dude that's going to offer you something. So at that time point, you had shows, you had to sell tickets mm -hmm. to perform, right? So we selling tickets to perform. And we performed down at the arena. Um, what is that, that that spot? That's the off of um, Martin Luther King Boulevard where they do like the plays and all that. I can't remember oh, the name of that right now. What are you talking about? Yeah, but <laughs> we performed there, but that was like a large... The Meyerhoff. No, 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 hell no. I'm talking about like in the hood. Like they got that little spot right there where I, whatever, but it was, it was big though. We rock shit like that. We rock schools. You know what I mean? Um, and and once again, it wasn't like just with me, it, like me and Q. Um, we did like Club Indigo, but you know it's no more, no longer here. But we did that. Um, but I really started getting my show experience with the Bomb Factory. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then what really kicked in when we all formulated that MTP shit, mm -hmm. and then we went down five seasons, and that's when you know what I mean like because it, it's always been around. But at the same time, it's like you just got it in different spurts. And y'all know me. I hate to do shows. Yeah. For real. I, I'm not saying that my shit sucked or nothing. Because like Frankie said, you're only good as your stage performance. Uh -huh. So it's if you want to deal with this culture, that's something that you got to deal with. I had to suck it up. Which means I had to drink a lot of fucking liquor. <laughs> 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 I was fucked up. I was a different person on stage. Okay. So, um... The West Side Stranglers, you know, y'all y'all broke up for um, obvious reasons that we won't get into. Mm. But it wasn't no breakup. It's just that people got grown. You know what I'm saying? Life changes. Well, well yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, all right, so then, so after, so after that, all, all that dissipates, um, what were you doing as a, as a solo artist during that point? Because I, I imagine this was around the time of the, uh, the Fist of the North Star. Yeah, well... We did all that, but, you know, I moved to Virginia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I was with Frank, you know what I'm saying? And then we had our thing down there. Me and my cousin Kelly, you know what I'm saying? So, knowledge, because he got converted, you know what I'm saying? So, we was always in the garage doing shit with Frankie on turntables. Mm -hmm. So, Virginia, we rock shows down in Virginia. We did a performance in Richmond, Virginia at the Boss Club, which was a big club at that time. We, um... Performed at Longwood College uh, with Crucial Al Capone, who's known as uh, Square One right now, and um, yeah, like I just just had my experiences just dealing with that time frame. You know what I mean? So I always had an outlet. Put it like that. I never stopped. Was that the, was that around the same time of uh, the, uh, the the big uh, Mad Thinker? Um, yeah, show? yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my man, the the graft. Uh, um, Graftronics. Graftronics. <laughs> um, he developed that symbol. Mm. You know what I mean? He used to work at Mondami. He's a graph artist. Mm -hmm. So um, I just went to him one day like, yo, I got this this concept, Mad Thinker. And now, you know, I'm heavy in the reggae, so Thinker with the A-H on it. Mad Thinker. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it to you. It just sounded real rough and raw at the time. And the first logo for that was like this face with the with the, the skull ripped off the top. You could see the brain and inside the mouth because, you know, fronts, you know what I mean? So he had the fangs in there. And then with the graffiti with Mad over top and think at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, I still have the flyer for uh from the original uh, from that from that one show. Wow, I got to see that. Yeah. 
Alright. All right. So um yeah, so yeah, so uh, tell us more about uh, so how did the, the Fist of the North Star come about? Cause we were heavy in the anime too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, that was I was I was hanging with the uh um Divine, you know what I mean, at the time. And um we were going down to uh what is that, Saratoga Street? Remember that place we used to go, y'all, and get all those karate moves oh, and shit? Oh, man. Crazy-ass yeah. Oh, man. So that's how that really came about, because I used to watch Fist of the North Star like it was, you know, shit. That was like a, a fucking religion. And um, going over Goldfinger's house, Wayne, uh, man, just came up with that Fist of, uh, you know what I mean? Just, bang, hitting niggas upside the head like Fist of the North Star. And that's how that really came about. And that was like one of the illest shits I ever did in my life. It's, it's amazing what turntables and a sampler could do. <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to make it? <laughs> you know me. Did I even hear that? I mean, we, we've heard it, but we, I, we, I don't think we remember it. I mean, I vaguely remember the, the damn cover for it. Um, Which I had designed myself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, um, wow. Um, just... uh. I had already had the rhyme written, you feel me? And then when I, I, would, I would rhyme, and he'd build the beat around it. Mm. So it, it was like, we, it was 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Matter of <laughs> fact, ain't it my time now? <laughs> Shit. I mean, nothing changes. You always say, oh, why you always write your rhyme so fast? You want me to take a little bit of time with it. Yeah, yeah, I still do. Yeah, I know. I, know, I, know. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a conversation about this last night. I just, I just, it's, it's just an impulse, you know. What I mean, I, I can't fight that. I'm a Gemini, so. Mm. So, um, what was the promotion with Fist of the North Star? Was it something that you really wanted to come out with officially, or was it just something that just happened? It's just something that just happened, like, cause think about it. Like I said, there's no internet, and then you have to, you had to have big money, to in order to put some shit out. So it was always on a, a, a DJ Wayne mix CD, or I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, DJ Wayne. Hence Goldfinger, because mm-hmm. he switched it up at the while. You know what I mean? So his, we was on his mixtapes. But I'm gonna tell you who, 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 whose mixtapes I had always wanted to be on, was uh, DJ Main. Mm. You know what I mean? So Mainism, mm-hmm. if you got on his shit, nigga, he was like <laughs> do wop with a bounce squad back in the day or something like that. Like you, you got on his shit, you know you made it. But I made it with DJ Main. I mean DJ Wayne. I'm sorry, Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so, so during that time, what were you doing following the Fist of the North Star? I was in school, you know what I'm saying? Going to, um, wow, that's funny because I was going to CCB or BCC as they call it. And, um, BCCC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a fucking prison for you. <laughs> BCCC. And, um, you know, rhyming up there. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, you play your shit. Like, it's always handy to have something on you. Mm-hmm. So I would just take anything that I had and always record it because I had that outlet once again with the DJ. I never paid for studio time or none of that shit in my life. Never paid for a beat or anything in my life. You know, and still to this day, we don't pay for shit. You know what I mean? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> shit. You might get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but no, 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 no. Because, no. I mean, let's just keep it 100. Like, if you're a good person and you really believe in what you do to the point where people believe in and they believe in you mm-hmm. and you know you, you you do good business and they do good business and it's just all it's always been good like I ain't never been no crap ball nigga you know what I'm saying like fuck that like I wanna 
do good business. I want to be around good people. So, you know, people took care of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I love everybody that I have been in contact with, be, you know what I mean, because of that. You know what I mean? And I always try to spread love. Like, even right now, I'll give anybody an opportunity, just as long as I know you're serious, because people gave me opportunity. It made me who I am today. So I just want to share, you know, share love. You know what I mean? Spread love. Mm-hmm. Not war. <laughs> now, now I remember, man. So many memories just coming back now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of where I want to begin because I remember I was three or four years old, and you and Oscar were upstairs, and you wrote me my first rap. Wow. And it went, my name is Zach. I have no slack. Take my mic. I will take it back. Right? That was my first rap. And you know what's crazy is I didn't even know. I didn't even know that you rapped. And so um, as I was coming up, like I used to make little stupid little songs in my head. Right. Mm. And like I remember one day I was in fifth grade and I was at um, Boys and Girls Club summer uh, camp or whatever. Mm. And one day this dude asked me, do I rap? And I was like, nah. And he started rapping and then something clicked in my head and I was like, oh yeah, I rap. (laughs) (laughs) And I just had all these bars that I had in my head from these little stupid little songs. And like one of my first ones was I took like, I was probably like maybe like, like 11, 12 at the time and I took that first rap. My name is Zach. I have no slack. Take my mic. I take, and I built upon that. And I had this long ass verse or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would just always spit that. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how I have, yeah. And then I didn't even know that you really rapped at the time, which was crazy. It was weird because like you always had turntables and stuff like that. But I didn't need, like like it didn't click to me until one day grandma says something about you had some type of meeting or something with somebody oh, or, yeah. and like everything was was about to pop off and everything and then that's when it, everything just clicked yeah. so what what happened around that time wow um that's when i had got well i was um with um foa right and uh matter of fact shit to be truthful with you named gq um joe Joseph Allen, yeah, on Potomac Street, Frankie, all them. He was he was like one of the illest niggas ever, cause he was like the Karras one of Baltimore and me. Mm. So I was underneath him, like he, he ain't never lose ever, ever, right? So I'm underneath him. Mm-hmm. So by me being with him and uh, right now it's a dude named Wisdom, right? Uh, what's his name? Wisdom Twenty One. He go by that or something like that. But his name is Chris. And um, my experience with them led me into a record deal in Philly. <clears throat> and we rolled all the way up to Philly. It was with Waheed Entertainment. And everything was good. You know what I'm saying? We partied up there the whole nine. We said lawyer, and we ain't hear no more from them motherfuckers. You talking about uh, Chris from Charm City? No, 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 no. That, that's, that's, that's like later, later. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's like way later. I mean, another another memory is, um, you know, when we first started dealing with the music, um, you were with the Bomb Factory. Um, oh, well, before the Bomb Factory, you know what it was, though, like Charm City Records, K-Bomb, yeah. right, Flex, yeah, and oh, then yeah. the other graph, graph, you know what I'm saying, like, 
those dudes right there, they are the ones that I'm going to say also are responsible for me being who I am today as well. Mm. And K-Bomb, shout out to him. Shout out to Flex. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> corroded kidneys. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Recording <laughs> with them. You know what I'm saying? I was studio rap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, once again, always been around good people. And um, I love them brothers still to this day. And, and, and they feel the same way. Um, what I'm going to have to say about that is, it's like um, those brothers, I mean, I, we walking places, you know what I'm saying? We riding places. And Bomb was on uh, Nervous Records mm. at that time. Mm. I went to New York with him. And he performed up there, you know what I'm saying? We all rode up there. Deep as shit, you feel me? And I, it was my first real hip-hop experience in New York mm. through K-Bomb at Fortress Entertainment, matter of fact. So um, if I if I said that correctly, which I'm sure I did, but um, if not, I'm sorry, Bomb. You know what I mean? But Bomb is a legacy. He he's a legend, man. You know what I mean? Like Bomb has always been ill. Flex, Graph, like I like I said, I, I grew up in the studio with them too. You know what I'm saying? So wow, you know what I mean? Charm City, like they gave me a chance too. You know what I'm saying? But life experiences, it's always a life experience that that makes the change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I started having kids, you know what I mean, during that time. Like, we all had kids, like, we knowing each other. Like, we, this is when we started getting our grown man shit at that time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, which I went my wife up today. You know what I mean? 18 years down the line. So, that was like 18 years. Damn, damn. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't, I had no idea you went as far back as you do with Bomb. Yeah, yeah. Bomb, yeah. Like, Matter of fact, um, shit, like, Bomb has been a part of my life for a long time. Mm-hmm. So Flexing all of us. Yeah. I mean, well, I know Flex, but... You know what's crazy is, like, every time I see Bomb, I haven't seen him in a long time, but even when I saw him out, you know, mm-hmm. you know, separate from you, he always showed me mad love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good hey, brother. Good dude. Yeah, he's, yeah. My, he's my brother. I mean, I wouldn't have it no other way, you know what I'm saying? And we never we never had a, a incident where we fell out. None of us, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. None of us. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, like I said, like, and I went through some crazy shit, too. Y'all, y'all know that. So I had an absence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I went through some life-changing shit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just recall Bomb, you know, he came back around, I guess, uh, around the time of uh, his Tester's EP. Mm-hmm. And everything mm-hmm. like that when he was yeah. dropping a mad shit. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. But, um... But yeah, I guess we should uh, go into the bomb factory because, um, ironically enough, uh, uh, last no, like two, three days ago, um, we were listening to uh, his interview on eighty-eight point nine oh. during that time with yeah. Jay Fingers and Jay everything Fingers, like that. Yeah, Jay yeah. Fingers, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we always heard about the bomb factory. You would come in with your flight jacket, you know, with yeah. King on the back and old English with your, yeah. with your fronts on, Let's with born on them and everything yo, like that. The first dude with the Jesus piece. <laughs> <laughs> Defi- oh yeah oh my goodness and speaking of jewelry it always come back to jewelry but yo that five percent piece was so hard i remember <laughs> i was used to look at that when i was young i was like oh man and he's yeah. like got the diamond dust yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yo i'm gonna tell you now shout out the book you know what i'm saying boogie or uh, i'm gonna tell you something because we went to the same school together in false park mm. and um before book graduated see i came in at ninth he about to leave. Mm. But you know how that cafeteria shit is with that lunch table mm-hmm. shit, right? <clears throat> and um, Boog, 
had the big nugget pinky ring and shit with the Timberland, uh, um, what they call them hats? Uh, the Kid Cudi type joints? Flat, the, little, the flaps. The, the fisherman hats, you oh, know what I'm saying? Yo, was always fresh, <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? But the thing about him was, yo, when he get the rock on that motherfucking table, like, yo, you could not fuck with this dude, seriously. And then, like, after a while, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I had my transitions or whatever. We meet back up or whatever. And um, he's, he lived up the street, you know what I mean, on Baker, further up, you know what I'm saying? So, um, got introduced into the bomb factory. Shout out to them, you know what I'm saying? And, wow, man, that's when I could honestly say my hustle kicked in for the shit. Like, that's when it became a business because Bull took me, he taught, he, he taught me the business. And, you know, I would see him, we'd be out or whatever, he just selling shit like like water. Mm. You know what I mean? Everybody like, yo, Bull, you got this, you got that or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I was like, damn, I won't be like that nigga. Like, I got to get my shit up, you know what I'm saying? And recording with him, you know what I mean? And that's when the other shows kicked in. My man Bird and all them or whatever. Jay Finger, like, it was a family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I used to drive over the east side, you know what I mean? Just to go chill. And we would all just be doing shit, you know what I'm saying? I had the slogan, struggling, bum. Getting these shows and shit like that or whatever. And we performed at the old Odell's and shit, you know what I'm saying? All that, you feel me? And, um... Man, wow, yo, like, that was just a time period where either you were going to sink or swim. You know what I mean? Like I said, I've always been active or whatever, but I was really active, and he was fucking with, like, albums. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, putting up money for albums and shit, you know, putting your shit on wax. That was big at the time. And, you know, you walk up in his in his studio, his lab, you know what I mean? Like, yo, everything, the racks, everything. But... I don't mean to um, switch off a topic, but Mickey, the mm-hmm. Dr. Dre of Baltimore. Y'all know Mickey Knox. Yeah. You know what I mean? How I, I, I mean, listen, before there was ever him or, you know, Mickey, Mickey has always, damn, I dealt with so many people, so many beautiful people, but Mickey, Mickey, like, I'm still nervous around him, you know what I'm saying? Still nervous around him. Like, he, he's the type of person... Where you you gotta be serious about everything that you did, you know what I mean? So because of him, I was really able to deal with Bomb Factory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then we put out that album together. Remember the the, the Yeah, we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you know. But yeah, I remember I remember that first C D. Oh man, you had that one song, something get your quick push back. It's a Oh man, I used to know the whole verse by oh, heart. Oh, broke hustle. Yeah, well, there's a reason why we don't know it because we don't have the damn albums no more. <laughs> I got them. <though. laughs> I got a somewhere. I got a somewhere. Like, shh, man, I remember that and the uh, joint with the flutes and everything. Um, That's you know, Jay Fingers. The professional. Yeah, 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 yeah. The professional. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, all right. I just realized that Drunk Man wasn't on on uh, on broke hustle. No, that was on Angel Dust. Right, Angel Dust. Right. I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I remember Angel Dust. Angel I, mean, I remember Dust, Angel Dust, yeah. but I don't remember Drunk Man being on there. Oh, it's on there. Yeah, and yeah. then and you had to drink um, uh, hip hop in a state of emergency. With yeah, rainy along, but yeah. guess what? Guess where that came from? That was from Grad from Bombing them. Mm. I recorded that at Charm City Records mm. at the studio on York Road. Cause some of that you recorded with them, and then some of it you recorded with yeah. um, with uh, Flex. Yeah, 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 no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hell yeah! Bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Man, you had this one song. I remember I heard it when I was younger, and I never—I only heard it like two, three times. It's something about angels. 
Oh man, I can't remember what it was. It was Sasha about Shitty Meech now. That's why I'm like, <laughs> like, but it was it was just hard. I just remember you used to just have these records. Sometimes they just be hard. Like, oh man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, wow. Um, all I can say is about all that. Armageddon, Young, Angela, Scriptures. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm dropping bitches. bombs on these niggas. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, shit. You know, I I just I had you know when you go to the studio you all, you gotta leave with the shit. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever <laughs> I had in my possession, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, look, man, that's a compilation or whatever. Yeah. But you know now that gets into you. To be truthful with you, mm. because because of you, I learned that you don't have to go to a studio no more. You can do that shit in your house. Mm-hmm. On the computer. <laughs> Once that jewel got dropped, I was like, shit. And we basically put those joints together, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we and we threw it on iTunes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, wow. Yeah, you kind of killed going to the studio for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took some time, though, but I was so young at the time. But, like, I started making my first little beats and everything, like, my first beats were on the keyboard that uh, Grandma got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still have it too, right? Yeah, I still have it. I still use it. Yeah. Damn. And so, like, um, I didn't really know anything, so I would hit record on the joint, and I would play the whole beat out. Right, I would right. play every little element. You had six tracks, and I had to play I remember everything that. straight I out, and then too. I would record it on a tape, and then I would transfer the tape to a CD, and I would... Bring it to niggas around the way. Yeah, yeah shit. Well, <laughs> Yo, it was crazy. I think I still got them CDs. Oh man. Well, remember you like your, your first little joint was that was on like the, the oh yeah little CD mini disc that yeah. you took from you. Yeah, I had that shit. yeah, yeah. We used to record mad loud on the um on the uh, microphone because I didn't know anything about recording. Oh, anything right, like that. right. And that's you hear the drinks. You like yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I, but you need to do this, this, and this, yeah, and this, yeah. and that. Yeah, I remember, yeah, because we rode around it um when you had the Ultima. Yeah, but right, listen, right I'm gonna tell you. Listen, that when you really was getting into that shit, guess who was out at that time? Fifty. Remember? When oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah, the yeah. classic, um, mm-hmm. the cover with him, Lloyd Banks, and, and Yeo. Yeah. With the um, the, the God joint. Um. Oh, nah, I think it was before God's plan. It was um, it had to have been uh yeah you're a bank stand on the side he down like what's it called the gun in the middle you know what i'm saying they got the little white tees on 50 cents of the future yeah exactly because at that time i was i was going to new york and stuff like that when i was in middle school and my cousin up there he wasn't my real cousin but you know basically my cousin yeah and he had the mixtapes and you know 50 was from the same area so i used to come at the bottom of all the 50 stuff and right, that right. stuff used to inspire me like okay we're about, to, <laughs> we're about to go ahead and do this and everything like that so i started getting on the computer and you know then i, I then i used to come to you like you know we can just do this, this, this. And I was like yeah it's all right but yeah. <laughs> well i ain't never lied to you though yeah. and then shit look at you now though like wow man like i i think i learned more and got more, you know what I'm saying, like out of out of a lot of things dealing with you, period. Like you have always been a big inspiration in a technological sense and not just that, but just your drive, period. So, you know, I'm just like, wow. And I would think about it, I got on your nerves. 
Yo, <laughs> can, can you do this? Or can you do that? Or how can we do this? Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, like, wow, man. No, well, that's a um, learning experience, too, because, you know, during that time, it was a shift in hip-hop. Mm. So, like, the shift from having to go to the studio versus doing it in your house. Right. Um, you know, it took a while for a lot of people to really, you know, kind of believe in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially the technology wasn't all that great. Right, back right, in the right, day, right, right, right. I mean, you know, me being younger, not exactly know what I'm doing, but figuring out at the same time, right. So, you know, all of that makes sense. So, um, when it comes into Mad Thinker, um, now the original thought from that, um, it started in Virginia, right? No, it started here, it started here, it started here, but it just trickled down into Virginia because that's where I was, that's mm-hmm. where I was active at, so. That's where, you know, basically I got it popping with my family members on that. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, we just ran with it. Mm-hmm. So was it like something that you like, like even through everything that you were doing at the time, um, was that something that was always in the back of your mind that you were going to restart one day or? Well, I'm going to I'm put it to you like this. It was something that was never going in, like like right now. Mm-hmm. Like we still MTP, we still right. doing it, you know what I mean? So I, I never switched it up, you know what I'm saying? Like... That's what it is, because that's to to me. It's like once you start something, you can't keep changing shit. Because how are people gonna know or be aware of what you're doing? You MTP or Mad Think of the Day, and then you something else tomorrow. So you think you think about Boogie Down Productions, BDP. They never they never change. You know what I mean? You think about Dr. Dre, Death Row. You know what I mean? They never change. So why should I change my shit? You know what I mean? The imagery maybe. But it's still gonna be the same name. The music gonna change, but it's still gonna be the same mind frame. So, so when it came into, um, I guess the second era, like moving into like the more digital age and everything like that. What exactly was the impetus for um, that transition? Well, my uh, my wife, mm-hmm. my wife is the person that solidified it actually because she showed me how to get a tax id for it and once i got that tax id of course there's no change in it you know what i'm saying and it's going to be here out and forever you know what i mean still to this day you know what i'm saying like i've done things with that tax id you know what i'm saying or whatever and sometimes you know it's cool to have all that shit and make it official and still get shit in the mail because it's a business you know what mm-hmm. i mean so um I would most definitely have to say that was just, it was just the sale of the deal. Like that's our label, MTP. Man, think of Productions is our label, and then you get in the bag life. That's just a whole different element. But it came underneath that pyramid. You know what I mean? I sat down and drew that pyramid, y'all, because it was the strength. It's strong, and then went through that angelic script in there, which represents the MTP. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it was just solidified, y'all. Um, oh, I'm sorry, but just to let you know, like, it's always been three. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's always been that three. Like, even though I did it with, like, Kelly and all them down in Virginia, Frankie, you know what I'm saying, everybody or whatever, but really what kicked it off was when you discovered the technological sense of everything, and we was in that apartment. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and from there, I, it was no turning back. Yo, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's an essence of it's an essence behind that. It really didn't manifest until y'all started, you know, what I mean, doing what you were doing. Mm-hmm. 
I remember um, I remember recording on Thanksgiving, and I think I had either the beginning or the end of the flu. <laughs> and we did a little holiday thing real quick and got back to uh, recording. <laughs> yeah, we listened to some of the uh, some of the uh, the Studio 911 stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I got that and uh, the joint with Chrissy on it. Oh, oh yo, yeah, yo, yeah. you know we can still bang them bitches today. Time, yo, we make timeless music, uh-huh. and see that's what I think that a lot of people don't understand about us is like we have exposure i mean nowadays it's, it's a whole different thing but i really feel like people can't fuck with what we do because everything we have done has always been organic you feel me and the way y'all make beats seriously and oh my goodness we have a cult following that i didn't even know we had until you you you, you uh showed me when we started going through our numbers from like Woo Corp and all that shit oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yo, we getting we getting views like that? I'm like, well shit, and I ain't even know about monetization or nothing, you know what I mean? So now, you know, I was like, God damn, man, like I know what we do as a unit is unstoppable. I know this. You understand what I'm saying? Cause it's been proven. So you know, I, wow, I just I, yeah. I can't say too much. Well no, no, let's Take a quick break, real quick, and then we're going to come right back. Channel 10 Podcast. We'll be back at you in a second. Hold on. Peace. (laughs) What's up, everybody? We thank you so much for taking this journey with us and listening to all of our episodes. And uh, we just ask that during this break, you make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, and follow us on SoundCloud. Make sure you like and rate and comment on all of the interviews and episodes that we have to help us move up in the rankings so that we can keep delivering you this great content. Also, make sure you go to channel10podcast.com and check out our back catalog and also click on the store link and order Channel 10 Podcast merchandise. All right, let's get back into the show. Channel 10 Podcast, channel10podcast.com, having a good time in the building, yeah. building with fam and everything like that. So uh, when we left off, we were te- uh, talking about the technological aspect of everything. So um, I just wanted to ask you um, about, you know, before we started getting together and recording, what was your recording process like and what type of equipment were you using? And... Um, you know the change in that and you know the recording process oh shit um <clears throat> the recording process i was always in somebody else's studio so mm-hmm. you know let's let's get into mickey knox like yo had the asr 10 like he always had a full-blown studio you know what i mean mm-hmm. so he trained me basically you know what i'm saying and uh wow i wish I, well ain't no wish but I, I gotta hook up with him but y'all know how life is but i'm just saying shout out to him because um he, you couldn't come in there, man, and and not be prepared. You know what I'm saying? And then like, just the way that you had to have a certain like, it. He produced songs, so I might think that what I have in my mind and how I'm saying it is the shit. I get in there, he like not nah, cut. <laughs> nah, yo, you got you know what I'm saying like, do it like this or do it like that. And he never changed the lyrics or nothing. You know what I mean? But it was just like the approach to to songs, especially be like because he is the producer. So when it came to using his beats and all that other type, you know what I mean? Like, um, you got to come this way on this beat. 
And if you didn't have a, it seemed like whatever if I had, if it, whatever I had that was written right, and I went down there thinking it might match, if it didn't match, I had to write. So it had to be organic regardless, you know what I mean? Mm. Even courses, you know what I'm saying? Like, I might come with a course, he'd be like, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he's always been a big part of my life, man. And even till this day when I write, like, with Mickey like that shit, you know what I'm saying? Seriously, like, is he going to think that that shit's dope, you know what I mean? And um, and moving from him, like, just to backtrack a little bit, with, like, he's the sample king. Like, he's the Pete Rockabaldum to me. Because, um, you know, you get those MPC loops, you know what I'm saying? And he digging in the crates trying to find something. Once again, once again it's organic. And uh, with him, you, you still couldn't come with anything, you know what I mean? And uh, I've just been around a lot of good people, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just always, i just been trained by the best. And that's, that's the way I can say it. And Mickey Knox is most definitely the best. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, Angel Dust because uh, it wasn't like Bro Cussle in that, you know, Bro Cussle, you sold, you know, over a thousand copies of it pretty much, right? Mm. Uh, Bro Cussle? Uh-huh. Over a thousand copies. Um, no, I made over a thousand dollars. More and, important. And, and, and guess how I did that, though? By being with Bomb Factory... Um, learning how to hustle shit out on the street, music-wise, we went from fucking car wash to car yeah. wash. And that was like the fucking best thing ever. Mm. I bought so much shit. I mean, that's money that was free. That wasn't for no bills, no nothing. We just, as we say, bagged them up, printed them, did the little CD stomper shit, you know what I'm saying, made the labels. I learned all that shit from Bug, from yeah. Bond Factory. Yeah, recall you yeah, after after that successful run. That's when you came in with the uh, the Born King flight jacket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you just start smelling like frankincense every night. Good <laughs> 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 about yourself and shit. <laughs> Yo, shit, man. Listen, see, this is the thing. I I hate when I see dudes at the gas station, and I'm gonna keep it real with y'all, because the thing is, it puts all MCs in Baltimore or wherever the fuck in a certain mind frame of just individuals that how they look at hip hop fucked up anyway. So when you look like you are a starving artist and then people go, I could be doing something else, you know what I'm saying? Buy my CD. I could be robbing you and shit, but you trying to, <laughs> you trying to sell me something for, for five or ten dollars and don't even have a fucking track list. Or a jewel case. No, a jewel case, exactly. <laughs> so my hustle was much different because I had pride in my shit. I wasn't going to sell nobody nothing without a fucking cover and a track list. And also on my CDs, I wanted, you know, the title of it and all that. You know what I mean? And Bug was the person that showed me that. Yeah, so going into Angel Dust, did you, I mean, because it seemed like really it, it, it just came out, but it didn't seem like it was much of a, you know, you didn't really promote it, you didn't exactly sell it the way you did Pro Hustle. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah, it's exactly true. And I'm going to tell you why. Because after, like, that first high, when you get, when you make that money, you're like, shit, you know what I'm saying? Which I was dumb, because I didn't put it back in. I just went crazy with that shit, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And um, when you look at that particular album, that was more of the technological sense, like iTunes. You know what I mean? So that went on iTunes. And um, 
I was expecting to pop off my iTunes, but once again, being ignorant, I didn't know about marketing and anything of that nature. And um, everybody, you got to think about that. During that time period, a lot of people didn't have internet in their house. Shit, a lot of people didn't have fucking computers. You know what I mean? So, I didn't, and at that time too, I didn't have the um, the, the uh, ability nor the time effort to put into doing all the shit that I did for the first one. I got kind of lazy, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Hmm. It's funny when um when you 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 re-release a lot of these songs on um the Come Before the Storm, you know some guy on iTunes said, "Oh, I remember him. I wonder whatever happened to that guy." Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, but see, that's, yeah. that's the, but that's what I mean by like we know we have a cult following. It's just like basically trying to get all those people and and put them back as a collective and and be able to market to them. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, just, I, I don't know, y'all, like, well, put like, well, you know, as, as of today is, is totally different, you know what I mean? But then, you know, just, and then my wife at the time worked at, uh, Island, what is that? White Island Wall. Def Jam? Yeah, White Wall Island Def Jam. Yeah. So that was a whole other different situation, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> whole different experience. You know what I mean? I got told I need to do songs for the bitches. <laughs> Shit. Post-professional, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So, so you finished Angel Dust. That Angel Dust was, it seemed like Angel Dust was, was way more of a, a personal album more so than Broke Hustle. They were both personal, but Angel Dust seemed a bit more intimate compared to Broke Hustle, if I do say so myself. Mm. I mean, yeah. Because um, once again, experiences. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying. So, my 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 style, my music always reflects my situations and what I'm going through. Period. So I might be pro black today. I might be fuck you tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? But still with a pro black essence. Because mm -hmm. you know I love my people. You know I love our people. You know what I mean? One but thing I, about you is. Um you you say you you say fuck niggas with the most pro blackness <laughs> ever. Yeah, cause that shit's real. Cause niggas gonna say fuck me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I never understood like how you could be so much for one thing, but that thing that you you stand up for don't fuck with you to the fullest. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, 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 for example, Malcolm X, he did all he could do, but in the same essence, in the same breath, you know, he still was, you know, he got fucked up by his own kind. And I don't mean the nation. I'm just talking about black people. You know what I mean? I don't want to go into that because, you know, everybody like, well, the nation is going to kill Malcolm X. No, the fuck they didn't. And I'm going to leave it at that because, you know, I'm very intimate with the NOI. But at the end of the day, it's like, yo, like, with hip hop, you know what I mean? Like I, I try to put out shit that's uplifting as well as um, real. And you know, there's always been a talk about me cursing too much or or how could I call women bitches? Let's just, let's just cut through the chase. Like there are bitches out here and there are queens, you know what I mean? And then you got women that call themselves bitches anyway. And they say, well, you, you help aid in that. No, I'm not. 
It's a reality. They're aiding in it. So when bitches stop calling themselves bitches, then maybe I'll stop calling them bitches. But I big up the queens. You know what I'm saying? It's a mentality of dealing with queens. So then we got niggas and we got gods. You know what I mean? I be with the gods. I build with the gods. I'm 5%. I'm God. You know what I mean? But I'll still say nigga because it's just in my vocabulary. Somebody say, well, we got to stop saying niggas. I go, what the fuck is that going to change? Does, does that mean we get more money? I mean, how does us not using the word nigga change our environment? Mm -hmm. That shit is fucking petty. The word nigga came from the environment. Exactly. You know what I mean? So until, you know, people as as uh, W.E.B. Du Bois put out there with that talented 10th and all that, like, oh, man, y'all y'all not going to go deep into this, but I'm just going to say this. I reflect my life in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And people don't have to like it, just like I don't like other people's lifestyles. You know what I mean? But if, if it is what it is, then I'm going to call it that. And for the people that know me, I don't have no reason to fucking lie about anything, you know what I'm saying? And I don't have no reason to say things that don't exist, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Alright, so I guess um, I meant to ask you this earlier. Um, you know, your perspective is different on a lot of type of things. And I was just wondering, like, because you made the comment one time, you said um, that you were you were doing things with your friends and all that type of stuff mm. like in high school but then when it came time to graduation you were the one that had the diploma and everybody else was <laughs> like how the fuck this nigga graduate when you was out there doing this bullshit with us so i was just wondering uh what do you think it is about you that makes you different to where you're able to build with the people and do the things that people do, but at the same time excel mm. uh, past what they might be able to do doing the same thing. Foresight. Mm. Even though I might have done some things, you know what I'm saying? Like when I when I was younger, I never stole a car, but I rode in the back of the motherfucker though. I rode in one, you know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> 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 but that wasn't something that I was going to make a career you know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this, this is what I'm going to say. Um, you got people that would be like, yo, I made it another year, right? Well, we know that your life is what the fuck you make it. And I have indulged in things or whatever, you know what I mean, that I might not be proud of and all that other type shit, but those things made me who I am. Mm -hmm. But the difference between me and a lot of people is that, first of all, you know how our family's built. You know what I mean? So... It's always a high expectation with a family that really give a fuck about you. So it's like, I ain't want to let nobody down this, that, and the third or whatever. But in the same aspect, foresight. What I'm going to be doing when I'm 30? What I'm going to be doing when I'm 40? Because I, you know what I mean? That's just the way I have always been. Mm. Even when I was fucking 10 and 12, what I'm going to be doing when I'm 13, 15, shit like that. It's the foresight, you know what I mean? I was born feet first. I just found out from my mom, you know what I mean? So, I guess that makes me different, too. Mm. I never knew that. But I came into this world feet first. <laughs> That's deep to me. And, you know, I, I have reports of, you never sit around. You're always doing something. That's right. 
because I believe every day of my life I need to be doing something productive for me. So I'll be like, fuck a job, but I'm going to get one, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, everything that you're talking about is very concrete. Now, when we go into your music, it's like how you said, um, you know, off air, you don't particularly have a style. So when we go into, I guess we can start off with Credetus, right? Mm. So, um, you know, what you said about the job, you had songs like... Um, like blue lights, mm. and then you had the song. Um, then you had the song about the job and everything. Right. But then you had other songs which were a bit better more. Better way. Yeah, yeah, better way. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you had blue lights, and you had better way. But then you had other records which were a bit more uh, esoteric and just kind of, um, I guess not, not exactly concrete <clears throat> to where someone could get your direct meaning and everything. Mm. So how did that uh, type of style come into fruition when it comes to you rapping and in terms of, you know, exactly what was going on in your life at the time? Um, well, I mean, better way because it was dealing with my job, you mm -hmm. feel me? And the hip hop was infusing that song, you know what I'm saying? Gotta be a better way, you know what I mean? And at the end of that song, I was like, I can't wait the day that I can quit my job, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. I just went through a, a process where I, I, you know, I get tired of working for people that don't give a fuck about you. It's all about what you can do for them. And that's, most people can relate to that. You know what I mean? And then, um, what was the other song you mentioned? I'm sorry. Uh, Blue, Blue Lights. Blue Lights. That right there, that's, that's a shout out to all my people that's outside, you know what I mean? that don't have that nine to five, but they still making money. And I just wanted to expose like, look, man, like the reason why this is happening and the reason why these blue lights is out there because the situation that we as blacks, I can't speak for nobody else, y'all, but the, 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 I know us. So I know why we out there and I know the situation. Like I said, I understand. Uh, so um, those blue lights are out there watching people. I mean, well, you know, they, they do what they do. And, um, you know, you in poverty. A lot of people, they be like, well, we all the same. We all not the same. Because if you born into a household where there's no fucking opportunity and uh, basically the trade of that family is to get it how you live, you know what I'm saying? Shit. I mean, what the fuck are you going to do? See, people don't know that. You know what I mean? They don't understand that effect. But then we get into the other side where I, I talk about masonry. I get into the Illuminati and shit, which I was on that shit. Well, we was on that shit way before what the fuck is going on now. And um, the reason why I, I, I got on that, because, you know, being 5%, you know what I'm saying, and watching a lot of uh, DVDs underground, reading these books and stuff like that, you know what I mean? We bookheads too, you know what I mean? We very academic, so, you know, that's the cause and effect behind those blue lights. That's the cause and effect behind niggas going to go work for somebody, you know what I mean, get a job they can't pass down to their family members and shit, you know what I mean? Mm. So that's that's how all this comes about. Like, people be like, well, why this? Why that? You know what I mean? I know why. And I want I want you to know why. Each one teach one. Learn that from Pop. You know what I mean? Learn that from a lot of people. It's just, a, it's, a, it's so much shit going on, y'all. That a lot of people can't identify with. So, you know, they say music is the universal language. So, instead of just really trying to do a party song or talk about bitches and hoes or getting fucked up all the time and all that shit, 
I tend to use this power that I have, this talent that God gave me, you know what I mean, and try to help systematically uplift the ones that are oppressed. So it's not just for uh, our black people either, because I got white friends, I got friends of all different nationalities, you know what I mean? But I can only really identify with our current struggle because it's, it's who I am and how I've been raised in the environment I've been raised in. But for the most part, I'm anti-devilishment and pro-righteous. So I want to cover a series of things, a series of emotions that anybody could get into. Music is a universal language. So that's how all that comes out. I don't want my whole album to be shoot them up, bang, bang, sell drugs, fuck bitches, strip club, throw money. Yeah. Fuck that. Now, the, the, I would say the most uh, interesting thing about Predators, you know, looking back on it after, what, 10 years or whatever, is the fact that um, it was you was born king. And mm. I would say that it's the epitome of born king. This, I guess it's kind of balance that you were trying to find mm -hmm. between, you know, I guess, uh, the, the negative and the positive. I guess the, the same way that RZA is tr still trying to find that shit. <laughs> right, right, right. After right. all these years. And then as soon as you, prince, yeah. yeah, and then as soon as you make that album, then you go into a whole nother new alias that became your, I would say your primary alias for a number of years with Killer Fifth. Yeah. Um. So how did that come about? Sonny Brown. Mm. Mm. The pioneer, you know what I mean, of Baltimore. Mentor. Told me reinvent myself. See, y'all gotta understand, like, Born King, that's the righteous. You know what I mean? But then when you get in the killer fifth, and see, a lot of people, like, I like the, the fuck with people's minds, hence mad thinker, aggressive thoughts, you know what I'm saying? So, I always try to get people to think outside the box. So, when we get in the killer fifth, it's still a 5% element into that, because the five represents power refinement. In our mathematics, knowledge is power that refines everything. It means to redo over, remove, reshape. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm killing off negative shit with positive information, with positive knowledge. You feel me? So that's what Killer Fifth really stand for. But to the layman, oh, you be drinking a lot? <laughs> that's what I get. You know what I mean? You be thinking you be drinking a lot or whatever? <laughs> so I don't always want to go into that the the esoteric side of Killer Fifth, you know what I mean? I let the, the, the words and the lyrics speak for itself in the songs, but Killer Fifth just represents that person that um basically goes out and seeks and destroys, you know what I mean? And that's by any means necessary. Born King is more of the passive side, like, okay, well yeah, I'm gonna give you the raw lyric, but it's less metaphor, more real life situations. With Killer Fifth talk about going into the Vatican and all that other type shit, you know what I mean? And, and discovering some shit. eyeballs and put them in the Pickfoot's jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it, ah, but it's just a reinvention, you know what I mean? Just, just a, a nice reinvention. But I will say this. The reason why I kept that name and, and still going with it because people were going, that's so negative. Mm. Killer fifth, killer. See, they 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 concentrate on the killer. <gasps> Excuse me, concentrate on the killer. And let me say this real quick. Anytime hip hop gets so fucked up to the point where as though you think that something like that is really personified as being negative, then you know I'm a roll with it to show you the opposite of it. 
That's just me. Because I, I never killed anybody. I said that earlier. You know what I mean? I just kill beats. Mm -hmm. I kill rhymes. <laughs> Why can't I kill in that sense? Why did it have to be a person getting killed? Why do we have to be perceived as as physically killing people? It's a hip-hop fucking name. Born King is my attribute. I live and I walk with that. But Killer Fifth is just a fucking MC name. It's all it is. Mm. It just expresses how I kill shit lyrically. And it's like people take things too seriously. Right. And it's like, um, you know, I guess getting into more the esoteric side, you know, with your lyrics um, started to get more into that. And, um, you know, your stage show, it evolved to a point mm. that, you know, starting off at, you know, somewhere like the five seasons or something like that. Right, 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 right. right. And you get a certain type of artist who perform there. And, you know, it's very violent type mm. of lyrics right. and street bass and everybody's coming up there with your crew. Mm. And, you know, at times, you know, you feel like something could pop off at any time. But, you know, there were times when you <coughs> might pop up there with a Ouija board up on stage <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, you speak to the mentality behind that. Well, I'm going to say like this because, you, you know, y'all was around. My whole thing is, like, you got to give people a, a show. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to do what everybody else is doing. So you you done seen, like, three different acts on stage with, like, five, ten niggas that nine times out of ten don't even know the fucking lyrics. Other individual that's doing what he or she is doing. And um, my thing was, when I get up there, I want I want niggas to know I was up there. You're gonna be able to identify me, and I think you and I and I'm not aware of anybody doing what I had done, but you know one of my biggest staples that I had did. I said fuck this, I got a chair mm -hmm. and put that bitch on stage <laughs> yeah. and stood on top of the chair and rocked that bitch like I was Jake. <laughs> Pulled the hat down low, you feel me, and just was just giving it the niggas and people went crazy over that shit. You see what I'm saying? Because I had to be above the crowd. Mm -hmm. I had I'm God, you know what I'm saying? So I had to be above the crowd. I had I had to make it weird as though you had to look up to me. You had to pay a fucking pay the fuck attention, man. And just bottom line, like it's an attention getter, but it's it's nothing that somebody ever did. You know what I mean? So that five cent I mean the five seasons thing, I love the five seasons, but Ty Gutter is the person that really, you know, once again made that happen, you know what I'm saying, to the point where I had to keep going back and back and back and back. Because um He's ill, you know what I'm saying? Like, once again, he's like the AZ of Baltimore to me. So, you know, um, dealing with him and his enthusiasm and he like a brother, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just cared. You know what I mean? He has an essence. He's hip-hop. He He's a beautiful person. I have nothing but love for him. You know what I mean? He ain't got nothing but love for me. He's married now and he is happy. Mm. And I've seen that brother go through transitions, you know what I'm saying? And he always made it on top, you know what I mean? And actually, you know what I mean, just to keep it 100, what you admire, you know what I mean? Because I learned a lot of shit from him. Like, a lot of people might go, boy, you think you know every fucking thing. No, I don't. I learned a lot of, a lot of shit from people, and I try to give it back. It just be the motherfuckers that's just, you know, <laughs> uh, malvolent, you know what I mean, that just always got something negative to say. But I very seldom get that it's just 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 a few what's funny is and it just occurred to me you know, like 
you know, just thinking about certain things like, you know, how I mentioned like how the Ouija board and how people <laughs> like like kind of react to that. But like you said, you get you might get three acts before you that's talking about shooting and killing and robbing and everything like that. But then somebody want to have a problem with a dad on Ouija board. Right, right. But what about everybody that shot you in the head? Right, right. The past hour. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And see, my, my thing with that is like, what's demonic? Let, mm-hmm. let, let's get into it real quick. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm show and prove on something. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying, like freeing out people by any means. You feel me? I throw metaphors in there. You know what I mean? Talking about, you know what I mean? Like just running up in, in uh, something that oppresses people. They say, or oh, the way that I talked about it was demonic, right? Or whatever. Like the way we use our beats on certain shit or whatever. Or oh, that's scary or... I ain't want to play that, you know what I'm saying, or whatever, right? But you got, like, somebody like Lil Wayne, y'all calls niggas out, fuck them. You got somebody like him that will slut women out, right? Now, don't get me wrong, that's their choice. That's the women's choice, you know what I mean? But that's what he's staying for. He's staying for, like, getting fucked up, damaging his motherfucking brain cells and putting his body through so much abuse for, for money and very materialistic, you know what I'm saying, and all about just materialism period now correct me if i'm wrong but jesus never dealt with money he says easier for a rich man to go through the eye of, i mean it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven y'all know we saw stuff but i'm just saying though you understand what i'm saying yeah when somebody when when somebody makes that statement and everybody like oh jesus christ or or I go to church, or you know, what I mean, I'm a Christian, this, that, and the third, or whatever. Jesus made that statement. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. So you tell me who's demonic? Mm. I'll just leave it at that. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it's a difference between somebody busting that gun for freedom versus busting the gun to wear Versace. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big fucking difference. Mm. I'm busting my gun so I can have all these hoes. <laughs> I think that gives a good perspective to, you know, your projects and just, you know, the content that you bring. Um, and then because, you know, a lot of what you bring is uh, allegorical and metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's not direct. So the passive listener um, may take it a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. You know, just off of face value sometimes um, when, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. But, you know, the ear is trained mm. to not pick up on certain things, mm. um, you know, I guess through what the ear is most um, accustomed to listening to. Mm-hmm. So, mm. I, I mean, I, I look at it like this. You're right. There is a training procedure going on with. Like, let's just say something like 92Q that has a playlist, right? They keep playing the same shit over and over again, over and over again. And everybody said it more than one time. I don't even like that song, but you find, I find myself singing it, right? Mm-hmm. That means that there is a, a subliminal messaging going on. You feel me? And it's just people, they become, like you said, accustomed to it. Um, with me, you're not going to be accustomed really to what I deal with. Because I'm not coming like everybody else. And my shit is for people that think. I want people to think. 
You know what I'm saying? Like you I want you to hear something and go, Did you hear what the fuck you just said? Or I don't understand that. Maybe you might run to the dictionary. Maybe you might go to uh Google something. You understand what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to get you to get out that box. Yeah, so um, you know, going like uh, I guess staying on the subject of uh, Killer Fifth and everything, just going back to your uh, very first album that you dropped as Killer Fifth, The Black Light, mm. and um, I'm just thinking about certain lyrics in my head and everything like that, and it seemed as if you were trying to, in so many words, trying to really kind of run away from from Born King, mm-hmm. in a sense because you know. Um, Locally, Credetas did, you know, pretty well. Um, you know, I guess it was it was along the lines of a broke hustle right, for right. you and everything like that. And you, you you were really in demand for shows and everything mm-hmm. like that. And then you just kind of drop everything. You get a mask. Mm-hmm. You become <laughs> Killer Fifth. And um, yeah. toward the end of the Black Light, you say, Born King no longer exists right now. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. So, um, and I've always wanted to ask, I, 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 well, I, I guess it's one of those things you just never really think about asking. Um, was there a certain process that you took when it came to making the Black Light? Wow. It um, seems pretty it seems pretty calculated looking looking back on it, but just like looking at you within the process, it didn't seem calculated. Well Credetas and Black Light, I mean if you look at both of them, Credetas is dark side spelled backwards. Right. So I give you the dark side, the backwards of the dark side, you feel me? Now you get ready to get the black light, right? And we know what black lights do, how they expose certain shit, you feel me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So on that, you know, I mean, I started exposing religion really heavy, you know what I mean? And um, I started getting into the exposure of uh, the Illuminati, so to speak. When, like I said, once again, like when niggas wasn't even on that shit and I was really getting heavy into it. And um, of course I ran with it because it was exciting to me. And once again, we don't do this shit for the money, so... There's no 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 holes barred on what the fuck I'ma say. And um I'ma tell you, the process for that was stress relieving. The process for that was a lot of fucking intoxicants. You were there doing the process and it was just a freedom thing. You walk outside of that fucking studio sweating, you drenched, you got so much shit up off you and the energy, and then just the hair the essence of it, because nobody said what the fuck I said. And those beats, nobody's beats were like that. You know what I mean? So, organically, Killer Fifth was created, and um, it was a process of developing that person. You know what I mean? I mean, And, and what I mean by developing that person was the, the right presentation to bring him out. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Because Born King was just always known and Born King had done what he had done, but now we're going to take you on another level. You know what I'm saying? We're going to split the atom, and this is what you get. Mm. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I guess that, that, that leads us into um, your other pivotal moment, which was As Killer Fifth with uh, The Secret Order mm. and everything like that. Wow. So um, explain the process of uh, of the secret order and how you uh, how you how you how you I guess how you stuck with the whole aesthetic of Killer Fifth. 
Make sure you rate, subscribe, <laughs> and, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. That way, our podcast gets higher in the rankings, and we can gain a bigger audience, bring you bigger guests, and keep giving you this great content that we do week after week. With that, let's get into the show. And it was the beat that made me do that. You know what I'm saying? Like the beat is the energy that I gotta, I gotta keep up with. I gotta follow. I gotta. Is is that is? You know what? Beats are dimensions, and I act accordingly to that dimension. So therefore, with that whole aesthetic process, that was the dimension that I was in. I couldn't go in that dimension as Boy King. Especially when I say, oh, he don't exist because that beat didn't make me feel like there's some shit born King going tackle. I had to go in there and, and battle demons. So it was a it was a hood exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, that was a fucking exorcism. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, you know, and going, you know, just, and actually, I just realized that um, pretty much you kind of began the secret order the same way you kind of ended it. Mm. Ended it with you know with Born King no longer exists right now. Right, right, right. Um, you know, still uh, staying within that mold, and um, you know, just like looking back on um, the Secret Order and its critical acclaim that it got throughout you know locally throughout mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that for you? You know, like you know, just going back with the Black Light and like uh, everything else that you did, I guess, in between the Black Light and the Secret Order, and how you know for certain people it just wasn't. Um, you know what certain people were on during that moment because you know within the midst of Young Jock, you do call out you know in the black light and people like that during the time and everything. Well, um, a lot of people thought I worshipped the devil at the because they kept saying, "What does that symbol mean?" I'm like, "It's a fucking pyramid," but they got the angelic script as the you know angelic alphabet. You know, saying say MTP. In an angelic form, though. Right. And um, like I said, like, the music that we do is is an acquired taste. You understand what I'm saying? And, um, you know, if you, if like you said, young jock, if you want that type of <laughs> shit and you hear me, first of all, you're going to be like, yo, did you hear this shit or whatever? And these beats, like, they make, they resonate your soul. Because we have a formula that um, when you deal with that energy, we call it a certain vibration. And we make shit radiating people. And young Jock or whoever the fuck was out at that time. <laughs> <laughs> you know the type of energy that they were causing. We came and disrupted that shit. Mm. And either you was with it or you wasn't. And I'm going to tell y'all, I don't know what the fuck I do in this city to anybody. To be truthful with you, because I don't check nothing. Mm. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like I said, with Wukong, we years down the line and we went back and checked a lot of the numbers. Didn't, I didn't know that we had caused that type of effect on people. And um, it's just crazy because I just do shit and put it out. I don't know what the fuck is going to do when it come out. And nor do I give a fuck, to be truthful with you. I mean, because at the end of the day, <coughs> I don't look at hip-hop to make me money. You understand what I'm saying? If I, if I get something off of it, we get something off of it, it's fine. But we don't abuse it to the point where we go, This is all I got! Because it's not. I'm a fucking thinker. I think of many ways to uh, uh, to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I don't depend on one thing to become successful. Right. So. Um, oh. 
Oh, so I was gonna say, so that type of mentality versus someone who who does view the music as that's all they got. Do you feel that um, that is or, or that contributes to your artistic freedom? Yeah, I feel like I'm more powerful than a lot of people yeah. when it comes when it comes to the music because while somebody go. Oh man, they not gonna play this on 92Q. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck 92Q. Yeah, I said it. And fuck any other radio station. You know what I'm saying? That don't give a <laughs> that, that, that that niggas feel like it's a standard. First off, hip hop don't have a fucking standard. And then then I'm a, then I'm gonna contradict myself by saying yeah, hip hop has a standard, meaning that it has no fucking standard. Mm. It came from the streets. You understand what I'm saying? How the fuck are you going to tell me what the fuck to say? Or how the fuck can you control the streets? You can't. I'm an uncontrollable substance like everything else. You know what I mean? I am graffiti. I am breakdancing. I am that DJ. I am that beat. You know what I'm saying? I am fucking hip-hop. And for you to tell me that I can't do something, fuck you. You understand what I'm saying? Like, fuck that. Like, how can a radio station control me? How can a fucking magazine control me? You had to come to where hip hop was. You were fucking nobody. We had to let you in. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Look at B Street. Look at Wild Style. Look at Crush Groove. Mm -hmm. Those people had no power. They had to come to us. Somewhere along the line, money hit niggas upside the head and niggas fell for it because the tour bus was better <laughs> or something of that nature. And you know what happened? They fell for it and it just and they never got out that out, out of that rut. That's like what they say, um, what happened to the revolution? It's like <laughs> everybody got government jobs. <laughs> we went down <laughs> to City Hall and picketed. You know what I'm saying? And then the revolution was over. I feel you on that. Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cause niggas went out there and they knew exactly what to do. Give them jobs. Mm -hmm. Pacify them niggas. You know what I'm saying? Now we can control them because we get we, we giving them money. Mm -hmm. You can't control somebody like me because I don't give a fuck about money. You know who I am? Donald Trump. No. I'm gonna tell you exactly who I am. Look at the G Batman movie with the with the Joker. Mm. I'm the I'm the Joker. I got a pile of fucking money and I just set it on fire. Mm. That's who I am. Oh, man, I remember that scene. <laughs> that a powerful scene. Yeah, a real powerful scene. Yeah. You feel me now? That's me. I'm the mm. nigga that set the money on fire. I'm the bad fuck. guy, but the good guy at the same time. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Like, one can't exist without the other. Mm. And then the more that people keep participating in shit that keeps the health deteriorating with you so-called love... It's not going to exist anymore. Nas knew what the fuck he said. Hip-hop is dead. He didn't mean it necessarily in a physical sense. It was the mentality of it all, y'all. <laughs> oh, Hip-hop, he did? Because I'm here, I'm rhyming. That don't mean shit, nigga. If you can't tell me about Taki 183, <laughs> and, and I'm not even going to get a jewel up on that. If you hip-hop, you know what Taki 183 is. Do your history. If you can't tell me about fucking Wild Style or Style Wars, you know what I mean? You're just a person that entered into this realm and you say, you know what? You're treating it no different than a nigga trying, trying to get out the hood playing basketball. Mm. 
You're using this shit as a resource just to live. And I don't knock nobody's hustle. But at the same time, what you going to do when this shit dry the fuck up? Because it can. Think about it. You got trap music now. Uh-huh. And I don't have no problem with trap music. Don't get me wrong. But all them motherfuckers damn near sound the same with the same fucking topic. Mm-hmm. Bitches, hoes, money, I'll kill you. Hoes, bitches, I'll kill you, money. That's like a hook right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to be like, oh, snap. <laughs> but, you see, but you see what I'm saying? Like, that shit is fucking boring in some aspects. Now I got my picks who I, who I fuck with, but mm-hmm. that don't mean that that's the only thing I want to hear every day. Yeah. I used to walk into the record store, and I could, I could choose how I want to feel. I wanted to say fuck the government or fuck America. I'd go get Public Enemy or some shit like that. And then I want to just chill out, hear some lyrics, I go get De La Soul. And then if I want to get that gangster thug type shit, I go get Cool G Rap. You see what I'm saying now? Now, you go into the store, all of it is the fucking same. There's no diversity in it anymore. So, you know, in lieu of that, the people that do bring diversity, like, like for example, where you at, most deaf? Where you at, Tyler? You understand what I'm saying? Like, where they at? Oh, we got Kendrick Lamar. I'm not disrespecting that man, but he is not the future of all that we hold so dear. How many more Kendrick Lamars can we be? Can can we have though? You can't put it all on one. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. You can't put the shit on his shoulders. You see what I'm saying now? Kendrick Lamar got that lane. That that lane is like so minuscule. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who's really speaking up for the for the underprivileged? I mean, in a in a different manner. Like hip hop at one point in time never glorified um killing, never glorified selling drugs. Brand new ones came out with slow down. You know I mean, what I'm saying? Even, um even what was it, uh white lines and everything like that. Yeah. That, was, that was an anti drug song. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? We don't have no anti drug songs. We don't have no anti whole songs. We don't really have that shit. And if we do, it's not being broadcasted on mainstream radio. They should be a fucking shame of themselves. Because you got little kids listening to that shit. Like, just because you bleep a word out, that means that somebody don't know you. You're saying, give me the ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or I'm going to kill you Like because you bleep a word out. People are intelligent. You know what I mean? So, it is what it is, man. And I'm not here to save the world. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I just try to do my piece to make a difference, like Nas and Belly say. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't trying to be the leader of the whole movement. I figure if I keep myself right, get my kids right, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be a a reflection or a positive role model in in a way that I could affect somebody to make them be more productive. That's all. Mm -hmm. All Well, I'm just fast forward to now. Um, What are your current projects that you're working on? Oh, street legal, most definitely. Mark Carey, you know what I'm saying? Through him, uh, LT and Easy T. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm I have a wide range now. You know what I mean? And um, with uh, Easy T, Dream Team Management, LT caught me. You know what I'm saying? Doing what I normally do. I threw a song out. Dropped it on WooCorp and all that other type of shit. And uh, at the end of the day, it just landed me into a bigger position where I can affect more people in a, in, in a manner. 
And, um, you know, I, I do need some toning down with certain things. I, I might curse a little bit too much or whatever, but got to think about it. Like, I'm so used to being independent to the point where I, ain't, I don't have no restraint. So I got good people, and then I'm a member of the B Squad. You know what I mean? So that's a good thing. I'm on Spotify. Like, damn near every fucking thing right now. You know what I'm saying? And um, <clears throat> we got so many projects dropping from, from, from different team members. You know, you got the Five Diddly Venom joint. You know what I mean? Shit like that or whatever. But also um, Bag Life, uh, the clothing line. Shout out to Vanguard. You know what I mean? Justice. You know what I'm saying? And, and and SL and uh young young uh son of Baltimore, you know what I mean? You know, those those individuals, you know what I'm saying, like they really um helped me in a lot of ways where at this point for the independence I became a brand. That's what I'm trying to say, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So thanks to Vanguard, VG Nation, you know what I mean, uh, and also um Born Divine, Wu yeah. Self, you know what I'm saying? Like, we affiliates, like, 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 I, 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 I love a brother, you know what I'm saying? Because he listens to me, and that not just, not, not, I don't need just me, like, in a musical sense, like, I can, I can hit him up with a problem, and he gonna build with me. That's mm -hmm. the God right there, you know what I'm saying? And through VG Nation, also met Lord Superb, you know what I mean? Another Wu Tang member, you know what I mean? And, um, it's just a lot of stuff going on right now, and, I think at this point, besides dealing with Street Legal and Dream Team Management, LT and EZT, oh yeah, and Luigi from overseas of France, you know what I mean? The brother that uh, made the beats for um, Get the Formula, you know, you know what I'm saying? And also Dope Boy, that's mm -hmm. all on Spotify and everywhere else you probably could think of. Um, it's just right now, we're just basically trying to get all that, all that shit together, put it in perspective and move forward and become a monopoly mm. so you know um and then us mtp y'all already know and i don't want to no no spoiler alerts nothing like that but a uh, the born sin project is coming we working on that now you know what i'm saying so yeah it's a lot of things that's gonna happen for 2016 okay. and uh i i, I don't want to try to ramble or nothing like that you know what i'm saying so yeah, um, if I forgot anybody's names, I'm sorry, um, I'm fucked up right now. <laughs> I mean, we covered a lot of ground, you know, yeah. going back into the past. And, you know, you just gave, like, a brief synopsis of everything that's going now. But, you know, once some more projects and everything start dropping, we definitely got to do a part two just to catch everybody up right. with the, everything that's going on right now. But Yeah, so, um, yeah, so uh, finally, uh, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook as mad thinker m-a-d-t-h-i-n-k-a-h on facebook um we have bag life media b-a-g-l-i-f-e m-e-d-i-a on youtube killer fifth k-i-l-l-a f-i-f-t-h on instagram also twitter bag life shirts on instagram and bag life shirts on Twitter and um yeah and also type my name in Spotify Google me man that's <laughs> got a lot yeah. basically yeah. just Google me you know what I mean yeah. I'm all over the internet crazy you know what I mean also I'm on on WooCorp you know what I mean shout out the WooCorp shout out the WooCorp Woo 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 twelve yes. jewels game of death all over <clears throat>
Yeah, oh yeah, Indie Boom, Indie Boom, because it's Born Divine's joint. You know what I mean? Indie Shout boom. out to uh to, to to him. You know what I mean? And uh man, you know Street Legal, Street Legal, of course. You know what I mean? BMG, my man Damon. You know what I'm saying? Yo, we got projects. You know what I'm saying that we've done for SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, shit, Killer Fifth on SoundCloud. Mm. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere, you know what I mean? Accessible everywhere. Mm. But uh he's coming out with projects too or whatever. So I mean we we got a lot of shit coming out, but BMG all day long. Black money gang. You yeah. feel me? And by the way, uh someone that we haven't really talked about too much, um, who I think is a pretty a pretty large uh part of this whole of, of uh this whole movement that you started, um, is Ricky Jacobs. Ooh. Um, so shouts out to Ricky Jacobs. Shout out to Ricky Jacobs. Hey, Ricky um, Jacobs. Yeah. Hey, oh wow. Um, also, you know, me personally, you know, personal pretty much got me started uh, making beats and everything like that. And person who I pretty much, you know, uh, based my style off of. Yeah, so, he he's a a, a most yeah. definite uh, uh, microchip in this whole system. You know what I mean? Even you know what I mean long distance wise, like you know, we still we we all communicate, but he's still a, a functioning member of all that shit. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. You know, dog. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, we got a lot of good content. <laughs> we in here, like, two hours deep and everything like that. We don't want to go too long. So, shout out to everybody who's listening. Our first episode, everybody all together here in the <laughs> mecca of the Channel 10, which is the Baltimore conglomerate. Can I take that uh, shout out, though? What up, what up? I, I gotta say this, though. I really do. Shout out to my wife, mm. Shanice Peran, and my kids, yo. Because I'm going to tell y'all, out of all the conversation that we had, she has never, ever, 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 ever said you can't do this or mm. money can't be put towards that. She's just been in my corner from day one. You know what I'm saying? My kids been in my corner. My, my daughter, Nisa, and Justice... They shot like a lot of videos that's on the Bag Life Media channel. That's true. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I gotta shout them out because they want their credit, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And they coming up in this. You know what I mean? It's all family though, you feel me? So it's like, yo, I cannot I cannot do this interview and don't say that don't don't mention them. But my wife, I love her, I love her forever. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, I got my tax ID number because of her knowledge. Mm. <laughs> you feel me? And then everything else, money budgeting and all that, came from her. Computers, whatever, it came through her. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? And I don't mean like literally like I was broke and she paid for shit. What I'm saying is we a fucking team. Right. And that's just the way it has to be. Most people I've seen their families get fucked up because of hip hop. And that doesn't happen with this family. Mm. We all participants. And even when it comes to the bag life clothing, she had the bag life shit on the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? The female sense. So I gotta give shouts out to my wife, you know what I mean? And my and my seeds, man. Just Sinisa, I love y'all, you know what I mean? And you're gonna be holding that camera again. The <laughs> right. uh, family man, relationship guru, hip hop extraordinaire, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> MC, um, Ultimate MC, Born King, Killer Fifth. Damn. Um, it's definitely been a blessing having you 
Grace our show, Soul in the Family. Damn. We here in the building right now, and um, we're going to keep moving, keep progressing, keep moving forward, keep sipping this whiskey. You know, <laughs> yeah, we tilted. And, uh, <laughs> you already know. I think uh, channel10podcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, <laughs> uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Stitcher, all of that, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Channel 10 podcast at uh, gmail.com. At gmail.com. Mm. Um, a lot of, lot of big things coming forward. And uh, keep rocking with us. And we out. Peace. Peace. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up? CNN. Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Cast more beef.